This is a Fubar Radio podcast. For more information, go to foobarradio.com. Nick Helm and Nathaniel Metcalf's fan club on Fubar Radio. Um, I just want to say right now that I am too quiet in my own ears. I'm too quiet. I don't know what's going wrong with the board, but something. <laughs> I can hear you in my ears. I can hear. I can. No, no, no. I can hear myself. Obviously, clearly. Yeah, but I mean, but I'm too quiet. I'm a little bit. Oh, that's much better. Oh yeah. I can hear you even better now. Nick. Uh, um, well, if, if the listeners. This is like home, one of those ASMR videos. I don't know what that is. They're the ones where people listen to like uh, people doing like. Washing someone's hair and going, oh, that's nice, and I'm just washing your hair. And they play them in their ears. It's quite an odd thing, isn't it? It's like an odd, um, a weird new phenomenon. It's a new phenomenon. Well, I don't know how new it is. It's probably a few years old now. Mm. Um, Abort. Speaking of abort, where's this going? I bought some presents. Nice, uh, saved it. It's Christmas. Um, saved it. I didn't. Um, uh, but what was I saying? I was saying, oh, it doesn't matter. I was just going to say, if you want to <laughs> know what it was like for me, just then the listeners at home, yeah, uh, then um, uh, basically uh, turn the volume down, put some headphones in, turn the volume down, and then turn the volume up. <laughs> Very comforting. Experience it yourself at home. To hear yourself in your own ears is kind of one of uh, the greatest comforts in life, I think. Was it not Mark Twain that said, (laughs) (laughs) to hear yourself in your own ears is Mm. God's greatest comfort. Mm. Uh, Can we get some reviews up, Natalie, please? Uh, What a week we've had. What a bloody week. Uh, My name is Nick Helm. This is... Nathaniel Metcalf. Every week you've paused. I know, because I always want to go, I want, at that point I want to go, fan club. No. But then I have this to is remember. Nick Helm, and this is Nathan- fan club. Nathaniel Metcalf. With Nathaniel Metcalf. <laughs> <laughs> this is Nick Helm, and this is fan club with Nathaniel Metcalf. This also is Nathaniel Nick Metcalf. Helm's fan club with... This is <laughs> with Nick, Nick Helm. Welcome to <laughs> Nick Helm's fan club with Nick Helm. And Nathaniel Metcalf. Uh, <laughs> it was, uh, it was uh, um, no. I was just remembering the uh, Patrick Stewart James Corden beef that they had on the. Oh yeah, what was that? I, I remember at the time loving it. Wasn't it like it's, a, the, it's the worst? It's the worst. It's really awkward, isn't it? And they're both. It's they're the worst of... thing you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> in, in your life, it was uh, James Corden was hosting an award. This is years and years ago. It was before James <laughs> Corden was James Corden. And and they both come out of it fairly badly, but Patrick Stewart comes out of it particularly badly. And uh, uh, so James Corden is hosting an award. I mean, I don't really want to get into <laughs> no, it. No, I do because I, I remember enjoying it a lot. I just, um, I just uh, speaking of John Kearns every week. Me and John Kearns were talking <laughs> about it like a couple of years ago, and then every so often I'll text him and I'll say, <laughs> "One more, shall I give you one more?" <laughs> Um, so it's uh, so James Corden is hosting a, like I think it's a fashion awards or something like that, and um, uh, Patrick Stewart goes up to present an award and he just starts roasting <laughs> James Corden for like almost no reason. Isn't it stuff like he's going? Oh, you haven't even bothered to tuck your shirt in. Isn't um, it stuff like that? He's going. I could see your belly. That's right. From all the way at the at the back of the room. <laughs> And, uh, and James Corden's going, oh, oh, sir, sir, well, uh, pardon me, but I did not realise that I should have tucked my shirt in, but 
can I just say that when you come on to present an award, you should just get the fuck on with it. Oh, one more. Shall I give him one more? <laughs> and no one's enjoying it. No one's enjoying it. And uh, and then uh, and, he, and then Patrick Jit goes. Uh, it, I don't know when it was. I think it must have been before James Corden became really big. And um, and I think that he had a reputation for being quite precocious back in the day. Mm. To put it mildly, <laughs> and uh, and I think that his reputation, but it also was doing Gavin and Stacey, which was uh, nationally, if not internationally, beloved. Mm. And so uh, I think that Patrick Stewart's experience of James Corden as a fellow actor was quite different from the general public's, and he misjudged the way he was going to treat him. And he went on and he went in really hard and started just basically destroying James Corden. And uh, the audience were just like, but we like James Corden. <laughs> and he completely misjudged it. And uh, and then he has these really, so he's like slamming James Corden, but like no one's really reacting. And everyone's going, this is a bit weird. Uh, and he just does loads of like fat jokes and stuff like that. And, uh, and there's one of them where he goes, uh, so James Corden, he goes, I could see your belly. <laughs> From all the way at the back of the room. <laughs> and James Corden goes, oh, oh, I did not know. And then, and then he goes, one more? Shall I, shall I give him one more? <laughs> uh, if, you, if you fancy the Jonas Brothers that much, can't be about it. <laughs> and it was like, uh, <laughs> it's like it's the, if you fancy the Jonas Brothers that much, Coffee Patrick Stewart is, is a fun impression to do. It's funny because I don't have that. Make it so. I really like Patrick Stewart, but I don't particularly like Star Trek The Next Generation. I think oh, I come from a weird it's like... Boring. <laughs> it's like he's got none of the personalities of Star Trek. and you just, That's why I wanted to ask that guy the other week. Do you, you know, is there a Star Trek thing that you don't like? Yeah, The Klingon guy. Because, well, you know, um, circumstances. But um, but I just thought that yeah, that's what I'm interested in because I, I I've got a friend um, I've got a friend of a friend who uh, who really likes Star Trek, and I went to see uh, Star Trek Into Darkness. Was that Star Trek Two? Yeah. And the thing about Star Trek Into Darkness was they were like going, oh, it's Star Trek Two, but uh, but Khan's not in it. Don't worry, Khan Benedict Cumberbatch is in it, <laughs> but he's not playing Khan. And then he just played Khan, and you go, why have you gone to so much effort to make Chris Pine look like Captain look like yeah. William Shatner? And uh, Zachary Quinto to look that much like uh, fucking Leonard Nimoy. And, you know, you've got the main three looking like the main three. You've gone to that much effort. And then you've got Benedict Cumberbatch playing Ricardo Montalban. Because I get that thing that in the, in the first of the new Star Treks, they go back in time or Spock goes back in time. They alter time slightly, don't they? So it's like it's sort of like a remake, but it gets to be like. But things can be a bit different because we've changed time a bit. But it's like, but it wouldn't be that Khan would be a different race or whatever. It just would be like, no. now he's English. Well, you, it's like, well, that wouldn't have happened. It's, 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 it's really uh, weird and crap the way they've done it. And also, um, they haven't done the adventure yet. Yeah. And so, also, do you know what I mean, though? The adventure that Star Trek Two is based on, they haven't done it yet. Mm. So Khan turns up and goes, I am Khan. And you go, yeah, but you haven't done the, you haven't done the episode from the original series yet. Yes, yeah, yeah. To to have that make that have any relevance. Yeah. So now we've got Benedict Cumberbatch playing Ricardo Montalban from Fantasy Island, and <laughs> that seems weird. Like especially now in this era, where you'd go of one of the few big parts where you could have like a Hispanic or Spanish or well, like the just, actor to do it. You've just gone. No, just get an English guy in to do it. I mean, you go, you go like uh, Ricardo Montalban. You go uh, get Benicio del Toro. Del Toro. 
get Dale Tower to do it because he's all Banderas over. He's, or, yeah, yeah. But he's all over uh, genre stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know? And you go, we well, to almost not. I mean, they don't know anything like each other, but at least it's mm. not so much. Of, but isn't um, isn't Karna Sikh as well? Oh, he might be in the sort of I don't know in the in the story of it. I think uh, anyway. So it was just a, it was really weird where you just like I suspect that um, he wasn't Khan, and it was a it was a rewrite after he'd been cast. I suspect because it was so like late in the day. When he goes, I am Khan, and it's like <laughs> who the fuck? Who cares? Nobody oh, yeah, in the audience. Not. Nobody in the audience knew that it was Khan. Uh, who Khan was because it's just the general public because the whole point of the Star Trek reboot was to just get general audience members in not make it like yeah Star Trek fans are welcome I suppose but really it's an open door policy for we're making a blockbuster now yeah and um, and we're not not doing it with the next generation even though they're all still alive what we'll do it with is we'll do it with we'll recast Kirk because that's what everyone relates to Star Trek so it's kind of like this thing but um, yeah really weird nobody I think general public didn't know who Khan was there's no reason for them to anyway so the other thing was that um, Benedict Cumberbatch's character was called uh, John Harrison uh, the most evil man in the galaxy and uh, my my best friend from school was called John Harrison (laughs) so every time they'd come in and go John Harrison is going berserk. <laughs> uh, I would find that. I'd find that. I'd find that funny on a level that no one else in the. I can't remember who pointed this out, but there's a bit at the end of that film where the new Kirk basically radios the original Leonard Nimoy Spock and goes, "Oh, I've got Khan here," and, and Leonard Nimoy's like, "Oh, well, I'll face Khan," and here's how you defeat him. And it's like, so like the, the sort of plot of this film is they basically phone up another movie and go, <laughs> they phone up like a better movie and go. Hi, yeah. This is we're in. Um, we're doing another movie, but it's like the same as one you've already been in, um, which is better than ours. So, how did you do it? <laughs> we want to try and do that movie. Come, come, <laughs> make it so. <laughs> come, um, yes. Um, I think it's interesting. Like uh, Patrick Stewart used to be did a series on ITV. I guess in the late nineties that was called the Eleventh Hour, and it was about. Um, it was sort of meant to be it was sort of science fiction but it was about sort of um, he would investigate sort of environmental yeah, but my not... name's Patrick Stewart <laughs> no, no. and today I am investigating <laughs> the paranormal there was a... make it so <laughs> no it was a drama where he'd play an actor who would sort of investigate sort of environmental crimes and sort of it'd be all like, what, like well, so like... it'd be like it'd be like oh there's some sort of crime going on that's like involved in... gene splicing or something but so... like pie in the sky no no it'd be like a drama that would be like he would go in and you know it'd be a sort of maybe it was set like five years in the future so it'd be investigating things that haven't quite... Like bugs? Yeah, that sort of thing. More like that kind of tone. So it was all like environmental and sort of science-based crimes. What channel? ITV. 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 And there was one... ITV. <laughs> My name's Patrick Stewart. And I'm on ITV. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I need to fire my agent. <laughs> but it was at the time, it was a bit like, oh, it seems a bit, I thought you'd be a bit beyond this, a bit Star Trek beyond this. And, um, yeah, thank you. And he was, <laughs> there's one where that me and my brother often quote, because it just made us laugh at the time, where it was about, like, the, the, the big sort of climax of the episode was that there was a man who was drinking a glass of water with ice in, but the certain ice that they'd used was a different type of water which made the ice sink 
and it sort of ended the episode anyway someone about to take a glass of water and because he noticed that the ice was in the bottom of the cup rather than floating on top he sort of runs over and smashes the glass out of his hand and he starts going put it down it's heavy water it's heavy water put it down it's heavy water and that just always makes people me laugh. might not be digging my new vibe now but maybe the next generation make it so <laughs> <laughs> I'm it's fun, isn't it? I'm Patrick Stewart. It's fun being Patrick Stewart. Ah, oh, heavy water. <laughs> heavy water. It's got heavy water in it. <laughs> I'm, I'm James Mason. We've got a star-studded guest on Fan Club this week. We've got them all coming in. I'm, Jim, got... <laughs> I'm James Mason. Judy, Judy, Judy. <laughs> who is it? My word. It's Carrie Grant. Who's that at the door? I've just realised that uh, the, the man who shot Liberty Valance... Yeah. Uh, got James Stewart, yeah. John Wayne, and Lee Marvin in it. Yeah, what a cast! I've not seen it. I saw it. I, I've, I've ta- <laughs> I taped it ages ago. Taped, taped. You got tapes? Still using tapes, are you? I taped it Tapes-y. a while ago. Using a VHS recorder. And uh, and uh, it was like fucking hell. Um, the man who shot Liberty. You no, know I don't know. That they've ever seen the man who what shot a Liberty. What's a cast? It's kind of like one of those films where it sort of like washes over you, and then you go. Um, I think it's got a belter of a theme, though, isn't it? Isn't it a proper like? Uh, I think it's got a good old. Uh, I don't know. Let's uh, let's get the let's get the, the theme tune for the man who shot Liberty Valance. Yeah, let's uh, let's see. Um, so um, make it so. <laughs> make it snow. Make, Christmas. Make it snow. Have they done that? They must Lo- have done that, right? Lieutenant Wolf. Make it snow. <laughs> Um, I think there is actually like a mashup video of him going, uh, make it snow, make it so. I think it must be. Make it so, make it so, make it so. Yeah. Like like where they've cut it. Oh, the weather outside is frightful. (laughs) I like how much we've done about Star Trek Next Generation. Whereas it it. started by going, don't really like it. (laughs) Don't really like it. But um, I like Petra Stewart. I do. um, And in the role. Um, And um, yes. There was that show as well, Vicious, with, uh, Derek, oh, with Derek, Ian McKellen. Derek Jacoby. Oh, is it? And uh, Ian McKellen. Oh, and is Patrick Stewart in that? No. Oh. But <laughs> those are my other. But Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen it, are best mates. Yeah, they're they? best mates, aren't and they? So those are my other impressions. I think that's really nice when you see them all. Like, they're always like laughing somewhere, aren't they? They look like they're having they're a brilliant time. They're always wearing bowler hats, yeah. uh, gay pride, <laughs> and laughing. And you go, oh, that looks nice. Um, there was, uh, so Vicious was a show where uh, Derek Jacoby. I like Derek and, uh, and Ian McKinnon were both doing like a studio sitcom in front yes. of a live audience. And um, and there was obviously something in their contract where they both had equal... It was like a towering inferno arrangement yes, yeah. where uh, Steve McQueen and Paul Newman both wanted equal billing or something like that. So the way that they did it was each episode would start with Derek Jacobi on the phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and so, so, you know, the beginning of each episode, Derek Jacobi was on the phone to his mother having some sort of domestic. And then after some sort of bit, uh, Ian McKellen would enter at the top of a staircase and he'd have like a one-liner and then he'd have this grand entrance where he walked down the staircase. And uh, it would be like, Derek Jacobi would be up and going, yes, mother, yes, mother, no, mother, yes, mother. And then Ian McKellen would come and go, what's that? Sound like a gaggle of schoolgirls. And it would get a standing <laughs> ovation. It would get a standing ovation. And then you go, is that a joke? Was that a joke? It's not really a joke. I love that. And it makes me want to watch 
watch it, to be fair. I fancy watching it. Now. I watched every single episode. Yeah. I went to see one of the. I went to see one of the episodes get recorded live. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah. Uh, what I a, really what like experience. Jack. You ever seen I Claudius, Nick? I've never seen I Claudius. Oh, get get treat yourself. Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely incredible. What's that about? It's it's all like this sort of. Um, is it like several... iPad? Mm, yes. Um, oh, I'll give it a go. <laughs> I'll, give it, I'll give it a sweep. Is that what you call them? Yeah, get one in the Apple shop. Get yourself can an iClaudius. Uh, can we get iClaudius on the sound system? <laughs> uh, make it so. <laughs> we could do this all as uh, various actors. This is what... If, you if... sound like a gaggle of schoolgirls. A this... young talk. <laughs> if if Les Dennis had a food bar show, it'd be quite similar to this. Les Dennis is he famous for like impressions? It would name? mainly be um, Mavis. <laughs> Mavis. Mavis from Coronation Street was his big one. Uh, Les, I'm a big fan of your Mavis impression. Make Do you know so what though? I believe that Ian McKellen probably is a big fan of his Mavis. That impression. was was that Ian McKellen? No, oh. that was Stuart. Ah, McKellen's more. Um, Ma- hang on, how's McKellen? Oh, you young hobbit. Hello. 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 I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, do, I can't do the voice. This, is, this has become like an episode of The Trip, but with two people that can't do impressions that well. Well, I, well listen back to it now. I think you'll find uh, you'll be eating your words once you've uh, heard our uh, Patrick Stewart impressions next to each other. Hello, um, it's me, James Mason. I've come, <coughs> I've come back to have a, a chat with Nick and that's in the studio. Oh no, and I'm hanging off Mount Rushmore, and here's, <laughs> and here's James Mason stood on the side. Oh, James, James, James. <laughs> Jimmy, 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 please. Here's some candy for your sweet tooth and all your other sweet parts. <laughs> um, uh. I love it. Uh, sorry, guys. Uh, this is this one's for us. <laughs> show, uh, but um, so I've had I think a, they all are, aren't they? They all are. But uh, uh, well, I think it's been such a cracking seventeen minutes so far. <laughs> Let's do some uh, fan mail. Uh, what I'd say is um, what I'd say is that uh, this fan mail really keeps me going uh, week on week. Uh, I check iTunes daily. Daily, several times a day, and um, refresh. I was surprised, actually, uh, overwhelmed, that uh, this week when I clicked on iTunes and I uh, looked at our ratings and reviews, we'd gone up to eighty-eight reviews. Eighty-eight from eighty-two. Uh, two of those, obviously, are four stars from a couple of Billy Bellends, but uh, eighty-eight—that's eighty-six five-star reviews, mm. and that means quite a lot to me. Um, but I wonder if we look back at that little boy that was born in Finsbury Park and Christmas Day in, grew up in St Albans when he looked to the future let's say he was four when he looked 34 years old forward in the future uh, maybe the biggest Christmas treat that um, he could ask for this year would be to get up to a hundred five-star reviews now he's not a beggar and he wouldn't lower himself like the other podcasts that you might listen to but uh, if we can get up to a hundred five-star reviews then maybe it'll make everything worthwhile Mm. it'd be a better world wouldn't it be a better world if we get so that means that we need to get a hundred and two reviews by Christmas uh, not just by Christmas, by, by next Wednesday. And maybe on Christmas Eve, if you don't do that, 
perhaps you'll avoid being visited by three ghosts who might tell you. Keep it light. Two, two ghosts. Two me and ghosts. Me and Nick will be <laughs> dressed in with a sheet on our head. Going, oh, you didn't give us face. Yes, mother. Yes, mother. <laughs> you sound <laughs> like a gaggle of schoolgirls. That was a good one. That was a good one. It was very good. Sound very. like a gaggle of schoolgirls. We're absolutely nailing us. Absolutely great. Anyway, so we've got some. Um, have n- water. Ha- have <laughs> ha- no, no, because this is Ian McKellen now doing Patrick Stewart lines. <laughs> You've got some heavy water in your hands. <laughs> oh, I, I, it's just the. Who's this? What's this a specific impression of? It's, 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 are the donuts for everyone? <laughs> really? Oh, I'm a poor. Oh, thank you very much. Sprinkles, please. <laughs> that was Ian McKellen on the set of Last Action Hero. <laughs> um, it's it a big Hollywood moment for him. You couldn't believe was, his eyes. Donuts Ian, for all. Ian McKellen. Oh, no, I've just gone. We, we've, I've, I've switched on to another aspect of the show. We've still got the Deer Hunter music going. <laughs> I know. It's it perfect for it. Um, I've got to the end of the tip. We'll just wait for that to go through again. There we go. There you go, lovely. So, we've got an email. Uh, Good day, guys. Enjoyed listening to last week's show. You mentioned that Rocky may be the best franchise. What about Mission Impossible? Only the second movie would get less than four stars, in my opinion. Is that that, that an entire one, or does it continue? Continues. Have you ever played the IMDB game? The idea of the game is to select the top 250 highest-ranked movies on the app. And starting at number one, Shawshank Redemption... Make your way down the list until you get to a film you haven't seen. And that is your score. The person with the highest score wins. Just a bit of fun. If you need an extra couple of minutes of How cunt. Dare what you. a fucking cunt. What? What a <laughs> an extra fucking cu- patronising fucking cunt. <laughs> an extra couple of minutes of content. Most people get caught out by Charlie Chaplin. Old chappers. Films or... Bloody, oh, bloody Japanese please, samurai, samurai pictures, pictures. All the best, Francis Jolly, or as I like to call you, Cunty McCunt Cunt. <laughs> two you. minutes of content. Two minutes. This of, is packed. Two minutes of content. Absolutely packed. You How many? You fucking prick, Francis Jolly. <laughs> fucking. Do you know what? I'm good. We need. We need. We need another extra five star review because whatever you've written here doesn't count. <laughs> All right, fuck you. Extra two minutes of fucking content. Ironically, we probably squeezed about another couple of minutes of content being so bloody frustrated and angered by you. <laughs> I'm not impressed either. No fucking. <laughs> Here, McKellen's furious. <laughs> shall I get? Shall I? Shall, shall, shall I? Shall I delete his comments? Make it so. <laughs> fucking Patrick, Patrick Stewart. Thank you. Uh, that actually does sound like a fun game, uh, but it does. Um, I've never seen Shawshank Redemption, so. I've got a score of zero. Wow. So that didn't really fill two minutes, did it? <laughs> Dickhead. Um, now we are on to our next. Sorry. Um, <laughs> now we're on to our next. Sorry, I should I really shouldn't stop getting so angry. Um, John, to be fair, it was more. It was more. Ian McKellen was the most furious. Uh, last review is on 21st of November. It's not actually. Um, uh, the, if you scroll down, there's some. Uh, the, the, the reviews are all out of whack. There was like a review from like the 8th or something. I don't know what the date is today. It's the 8th today, isn't it? 7th. If, if you scroll down, the newest reviews aren't at the top. Um, so, uh, Therapy Stars. I've listened to this podcast. Yeah, this is an oldie. Um, 
Uh, Planet and series. Oh yeah, there we go. Uh, I mean, we're doing this section now, and we've got no material <laughs> to do it with. Um, John Garrido. John Garrido uh, is real editor. John fan club. How I have missed this. I mean, we haven't been away. <laughs> Good how, morning, you. How ten. have I missed this? How how I oh yeah. It yeah I think be, you should. How have I missed? I mean, between how I have missed. So it sounds like going, your, how I have missed this. John, uh, considering you, you, your your at symbol is uh, the real editor John, uh, you probably need to give yourself a bit of an edit. Uh, fan club, how I have missed this. We've not been away. Good morning, you two. Good morning, John. Good morning. Oh, it's John. John from uh, our friend in America. When you say good morning, we say, that's oh, yes, actually yes, the afternoon. Yes, yes. And he goes, not if you're listening to it in the States. And we go, bloody hell, what a state. How I have missed this sounds quite... Uh... Are you typing these reviews yourself? <laughs> Are they all written by you, Natalie? Joyous. Does Natalie write our oh, reviews? Fuck this. I never wanted to do the review section in the first place. <laughs> right? It's basically uh, the radio equivalent of self-fellatio. Um, but uh, this is just is an all-time low of us stalling for time as Natalie writes our four, five-star reviews. Mm. I got uh, an email from your parents. Hello, Jean and Tony. Jean and Tony. Um... Um, telling me, uh, giving us some uh, advice on the show. Should I read that one? No. No? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Timbot Toe says, Great Friday fun. Never fail to make you smile. Great facial hair also. I assume that's aimed at me. Yeah, because mine isn't. It's patchy. It's patchy, isn't it? At best. Um, are you fucking kidding me? How how long does it take to copy and paste a fucking thing? <laughs> fucking. Uh, um, I mean, I've got so much to talk. Someone about. says five stars. Fab. Joyous two hours. Oh fuck this! Um, that was that was Natalie writing it up herself. No, it wasn't. How come it was coming up word by word rather than all in one block? I you think were typing it. Just copy and paste it off of. Oh god! Or just get just get <laughs> iTunes up on our screen. Just get iTunes up on our screen. And just get <laughs> iTunes up on our screen. This is our last live show of the year. We're pre-recording next Wednesday to release next. So if you have any reviews, but get them in by next Wednesday. Get them in for we want, Christmas. We want hundred and three by right, Wednesday to make up for the two four-star reviews and to Francis make up Jolly. for Francis Jolly with with uh, um, with with their suggestions that. Are quite Quite frankly, offensive. Um, uh, speaking of Gene and Tony, I um, I did my uh, uh, naked gun talk at the BFI. Of course you did. Of course you did. What day was that? Tuesday. Tuesday. I did mine. Uh, so uh, my mum uh, and my dad came to see Naked Gun. And was it fun? Um, I got to sit next to my dad and watch a comedy film in the cinema, which I haven't. I mean, we've been. To, I think we've probably seen more action films than anything. But we watched um, uh, Naked Gun. I was, my mum was sat on the other side of my dad. I don't think my mum had seen it before. I said to my mum, have you seen it before? And she was like, oh, yes. And I'm just like, in my head, I can't remember a time when you'd have seen it. I remember we all went as a family to see 33 and a third. Mm-hmm. And I went to the cinema to see two and a half with my sister. And my sister rented out Naked Gun originally. I don't remember my mum ever sitting down and watching Naked Gun with us. Uh, I think she's lied to you. I think it's one of those things where you just uh, where she just assumed that she'd seen it because she'd seen a film, and so we all sat there. And um, I love the BFI. I love it, yeah. And um, and I learned some stuff about the Naked Gun on my way there, and I was just like, oh, I got to say that. 
And I got to sit next to my parents and watch uh, Naked Gun. And they laughed all the way through it. And uh, that's nice. It is. It reminded me of being uh, a child again. What a beautiful story. That and I shat myself. Um, So... uh, (laughs) Did that remind you of being little as well? No. 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 Just uh, the future. Um, (laughs) So we've got... There we go. Couple of comedy, a couple of legends. Yeah. Not comedy legends. I haven't seen a lot of films slash shows in Moo Moo lifetime. lifetime. Sixteen. Bracket sixteen. Sixteen years old. And I don't know a lot about films slash shows. And to be honest, majority <laughs> of the time, I have no idea what. Come on, mate. Films <laughs> they're talking about. And to be honest, majority of the time, I have no idea what films slash shows they're talking about. <laughs> But I love listening to this podcast every week. Brilliant. Brackets, usually on catch-up. Because it makes me smile, and it makes me laugh. Met Nick a couple of times. Love him. Absolute legend. Haven't met Nat yet, but he sounds like a great guy. He is. He is. He is great. Keep up the good work, lads. Smiley face. Smiley face. That's really lovely, actually. What a lovely... Uh, <sighs> that's, that's very nice. It's got me choked up a bit. Mm. Um... This is from uh, I Am Robot. Mm-hmm. Fab, five stars. A joyous two-hour ramble with some great moments. Some great moments. So good. Macca thinks he invented it. Yes. Yes. And uh, best pop culture podcast that Fubar has to offer. Neg, another neg. <laughs> Absolute what? Compared to who else? <laughs> Fucking hell. Very, very funny, great stuff. Brief, concise, doesn't give me a lot for the old wank bank, but I can make that work. Uh, what a lovely week. That Wait, was. That's a lovely week. It's what a right. lovely week a really of lovely. comments. Just let's just remember, guys, that the world is a community, and uh, if you make each other feel good, then uh, they'll go on and make other people feel good in return. Pay it forward, like pa- Oprah would say. Or uh, Kevin, Spe- Kevin Spacey. Oh, no. <laughs> 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 It's all right, it's good. We should have another um, button for that. <laughs> Spacey! Um, uh, People so, who, who, what did I watch this week? Working Girl. Oh, yeah. Kevin Spacey's in Working Girl. Is he? Right, so, pop up? so uh, we're getting to the half hour mark. So this is, uh, I've got so much I want to talk to you about. So much content. Uh, the, well, we couldn't even basic, put another two minutes in it. The basic structure of the show is uh, half hour of Waffle, mm-hmm. uh, Alice Cooper song, mm-hmm. Then half hour of actually talking about something, and then if we've got or, a, or a radio guest, or we'll, radio have, guest. we'll have 15 minutes of talking about something, and then minute a 15 chat. minute radio yes. guest chat. Then we'll play your song. Yes. Uh, or a song directly related to what we've been talking about. Related to what uh, is coming up. Mm-hmm. Then we'll have a guest on for an hour where we'll talk a bit of chat with them. Then we'll play their song and then we'll talk about what they're interested in. And then the last couple of minutes we'll play a game and then a song to play out. Um, I'm not saying this for the benefit of the listeners at home. I'm saying this for the benefit of Natalie, our producer, uh, because uh, just making sure that you are aware that there is some structure to this. So um, we've thought about it. I know that you have, uh, and <laughs> we're going to play. Uh, so we'll talk about the stuff when we get back. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is. Uh, I love this song. Um, uh, I don't normally introduce it. This is off the absolutely. If you're not into Alice Cooper, um, then don't start with this album. But this is one. Is this whiskey and lace? Is it or no? Never listen to that. If, right. you, if you love Alice Cooper, never listen to Lace and Whiskey. <laughs> lace and Whiskey. Uh, but uh, this is off Dada. Which he doesn't remember recording, but this is uh, as close as he's got to a Christmas song. 
Nick and Nat's Fan Club on Fubar Radio. Extra two minutes to fill. <laughs> Fuck me. Um, um, how I have missed this. Do you know what? I think that he meant it exactly like that. How I have missed Oh, yeah. How I have missed this. I miss it. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I was tweeting about it in the week and I was just like, fucking hell, has it only been five days? Well, we had that one that we did uh, a pre-record it? last week and we had we didn't do one in ten days or something. You go, God, it feels like ages. I felt, I, felt, I felt like that felt like an actual regular week, though. With that ten day gap, I was just like, uh, "Oh, a lot's happened." But an actual, fact, but this one feels like Sean Harry's. Yeah, was yeah. Last week, yes, it was, and that yeah. feels like a month ago. She was amazing. Great guest. Um, great guest. Great time. Um, terrible tonsillitis. Feeling much better, thanks, Nat. Um, <laughs> I've just been on a course of anti. Uh, no, <laughs> what's it? No, it is anti antibiotics. Antibiotics. Not antidepressants. No, I've just started. No, but I have. I have started a new course of antidepressants today. Uh, they've not kicked in yet. Uh, it's a different. It's a different one. Uh, than what I did before, because uh, that didn't work out for me. So I'll keep you updated. Uh, no, I won't. It's a pre-record <laughs> next week. Um, well, pre-record next week, and then we've got, like, it's like we're, we're on our Christmas holidays, aren't we? We haven't got another fan I club I would, I would come in at Christmas, though. Me if, too. Uh, Christmas if, Day. If, if fan club was on Christmas Day, I'd come in on Christmas Day. Uh, would I? Yeah, I would. I would. <laughs> it says more about my home life, though. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm fucking... Uh, so I had, like, a... a, a a bit of a, a bumper. I've seen fucking loads this week, so I'm just going to just uh, blitz through stuff. Yeah. Um, I saw uh, Roxanne again. Oh yeah, I keep thinking I need to watch that again. It's been years. Really amazing. Uh, I'm sort of like uh, get, going back and watching Steve Martin films. Uh, Steve Martin is always a bit like a bit maybe too intellectual. Uh, he's got intellectual aspirations. So mm-hmm. you'll see something like The Jerk and you go, ha, 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 ha. But then you'll see something like um, Roxanne and he's put lots of kind of like... And I'm not like saying that... I, I guess when I was a child, I preferred Three Amigos Steve Martin to uh, Roxanne L.A. Story Steve oh, Martin. Oh, that's interesting. But um, I love L.A. Story. I think so maybe, Roxanne might have been the one I saw first and sort of went backwards, I think. I think also as a child, you watch it and he's got like big a nose. big, big yeah. nose and you go, yeah, sure, this is, this this is, is for me. Plot. And then you realise it's all about sex. It's all about, but not like, it's not like a sex comedy. It's all about um, uh, Daryl Hannah being in love with a man's physical form and another man's uh, brain, intelligence. Mm. And so, it, yeah, so I guess it's a little bit, not confusing, but it's a little bit much for like, I think for me when I was five, watching it. I, I, I couldn't have been five because it wasn't made when I was five, but seven. <laughs> anyway, so Roxanne, I watched that again. Um, uh, I watched um, Your Vice is a Locked Door and Only I Have the Key. Is that a, a giallo? It is a giallo. Um, I think I've seen it. I've never seen the movie, though. It's based on uh, The Black Cat by uh, oh, Poe. Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, and I have, I, th- I would estimate, four copies of The Black Cat by various different Jello directors. I've got Daniel oh, yeah. Argento's. Uh, I think there was... Um, There's a Fulci. I've got Fulci. Um, uh, I've now got this, and I think I've got another one, but there's also one called uh, Two Evil Eyes, where oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the stories is about a black cat. I, I can't remember. I think that might be George A. Romero's one. It's because those Poe ones are basically, they're, they're pretty much... Um, um, 
they're, they're, they're almost like poems aren't they so you can really interpret them any way you like so I think a lot of them are just films here that have gone we'll call it Edgar Allan Poe's The Black Cat but basically we'll just put a black cat in but it at some like, point it's like the Telltale Heart as well right yeah. where it's kind of like a, a, a murder or something gets witnessed by a cat and the cat keeps coming back and yeah. reminding the murderer that they've done this crime and then it sends them crazy well, all the, and well, the Telltale Heart is somebody murders gets murdered and put underneath the floorboards and then yeah. the heart keeps or they think they can hear the heartbeat. <clears throat> so it's like basically it's the same thing, really. Mm. But um, all the all the Edgar Allan Poe, Roger Corman movies are all like they're not really anything to do with Edgar Allan Poe. No, they're he's just taken like, the title yeah. and he's gone. Yeah, but he did like a series of them. Mm. Well, that was his answer to the Universal Monsters, wasn't it? His mm. classic. They was the classic monsters, and so he went like, "How do we not do a Frankenstein and a Dracula?" And he goes, "Right, we'll get Vincent Price and we'll put him in all these Edgar Allan Poe yeah. films." Uh, and it was his own little empire, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I watched American Ninja for the first time. Oh, yeah. I've never seen that. That was a big one at my primary school. It was, always, have anyone seen American Ninja 4? It would always be that. You've seen that, that he throws a star at him. It was always like that. That was a big discussion in my primary school with the American Ninjas. Well, I remember with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles when that came out, it was just like, well, apparently there's a nunchuck scene where Michelangelo uh, uh, hangs a man with his nunchucks. <laughs> with his nunchucks. And you go, Bloody hell, that sounds dark. <laughs> Considering that the rest of the film is it's quite light. It's, I, no wonder they cut the bit where Michelangelo hangs a man. I'll tell you what I want. Like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, actually, it was just like, like, there was a kid at our school who said that, um, who swore blind that he had access to a time machine and that he'd gone <laughs> forward in the future and Robin Williams played the Riddler in uh, Batman 3, <laughs> yeah. the third Batman film. We had kids like that in my school. And it was just kind of like, you go, why would you make that up? Yeah, I've seen it. I have seen it. Uh, there was another kid at school that invented this thing that sounded amazing. It sounded like, like he, he, well, I don't know if he invented it, but he said basically, and I thought it was from like a Highlander film until mm-hmm. I'd seen all the Highlanders, where a man gets his head cut in half, mm-hmm. but he's immortal. And so he gets the rule of these um, staples, uh, loose staples on the on the table. And he lines them all up and he rams them together, puts them in a staple gun <laughs> and he staples his head back together, right? And um, and he said it's in Highlander, and I watched the Highlander films, and it wasn't. <laughs> and uh, and I went to him and I said, "Look, this is a really good idea. Yeah, did you make it up? Because it's not in those films." He goes, "No, I didn't make it up. It's in this thing." And then uh, and, and you know, <laughs> you spend the rest of your life looking for it. And it, and you know, look, if you've got a vivid imagination, you're making this stuff up. Just write it, <laughs> yeah, write, write it down. Write it down. You know, because these are great ideas. You know, but um, you're just attributing it to a thing that doesn't exist. Yeah. Or maybe it does exist and I just haven't seen it, but I have looked. We could go off. There's loads of this to go off, there, and there's a lies we heard as a child. Or even those, like, as a kid who was really fascinated by all the Batman movies, loved all the Batman movies, I always loved those alternative versions of the kind of 90s Batman movies that were, like, that never really made it, all those rumours <coughs> about it. That was going to be Patrick Stewart, wasn't it? Mr. Freeze was meant to be Patrick Stewart for a long time. Why wouldn't you cast Patrick Yeah, perfect. Why wouldn't you? Absolutely perfect. Yeah, he's nailed a, it. What, he's a scientist, Patrick yeah. Stewart. yeah. yeah. And uh, and he's bald, Patrick Stewart. Yeah, his wife's died. He has, he has a bit of pathos. He looks almost exactly like uh, he did in the Batman animated series. Yeah. Just put some red goggles. I mean, why would I, whatever the fuck they were doing with the fucking? <laughs> I'm so. It still annoys me that thing because he's obviously miscast on a Schwarzenegger. He doesn't have a fucking. It doesn't have a fucking chance. And but yeah. he loved it. He got paid fucking loads and yeah. loads and top loads. Top billing of money. again, wasn't it? In fact, all the villains always had top billing. And in fact, Batman no. Returns is the only one that doesn't, right? Jack Nicholson gets top billing in yeah, Batman. Yeah, and Val Kilmer gets top billing in Batman Forever. Oh, does he? Does he? Yeah. 
Arnie's top billing isn't he in Batman but isn't like Clooney's like third isn't he or something in the cast no he's second okay come on let's not be let's not be crazy (laughs) but um, but yeah uh, he's definitely second billing yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and it was just like it was really, 1997. It was the was it like 20 million or something? He got something crazy, didn't he? It was like one of those like 20 massive mi- paydays for yeah, the but time. He got paid 30 million, I think, for Terminator 3, which oh, was a couple he? of years later. Um, but that's what when he was making Terminator 3, he was just like, I'm not sure, I'm not going to do this without James Cameron. And he went and talked to James Cameron, and James Cameron said, Yeah, do it. Just ask for as much money as possible. <laughs> and so he said 30 million. <laughs> but I think he really enjoyed Batman and Robin. Because uh, it's exactly his sense of humour. Tragically, <laughs> yeah, yeah, what killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. <laughs> you didn't even pause. You didn't uh, even pause. I watched Jingle All the Way this week. Oh, fuck me. I'd never seen it. I'd never seen it. I, I um, the thing was right about Arnie. When you watch it, you go, "You've actually got really good comic timing, but your delivery is bad. But like your your instincts are really on it. It's like, yeah, that's that's exact. That's funny. Like he, it's almost like he knows what he's doing." But it's like he wasn't able to deliver the jokes. For someone who's like known for like one-liners, it seemed weird that it's like you just can't do the. It's jingle the, the way, uh, Chris Columbus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not. A, mm. It's a weird film, Jingle All the Way. You, you just... it, jingle All the Way had one of the best teaser trailers ever, where it was uh, he played Terminator. <laughs> he was in True Lies. He was Commando, Predator, and now he's facing his biggest whatever yeah. challenge to date. And then it was like, oh, you have to get Turbo Man. <laughs> and then it was like, and you go, and then it was kind of like, and it's like, I was watching him running around, punching a Santa in the face, punching a reindeer at one point, punching a reindeer in the face. Probably the best bit of the film. Jim Belushi turns up, and it was reuniting the cast of Red Heat. It was, yeah, it was, it was like a, it was a supercut of all of the best bits, visual bits of of Jingle All the Way, and you go, wow, this looks absolutely. Great, and they've got Chris Columbus. Chris Columbus. Oh no, it was John Hughes, wasn't it? Home it Alone. Like, or was that Chris Columbus? Uh, Home Alone was written uh, by written Hughes, by, uh, directed by Chris Columbus, written by John Hughes. So they've got. We'll get the director of Home Alone to do another like Christmas comedy. We'll get the biggest star in the world to well, be in it, and the writer of Gremlins. Yeah. Chris Columbus wrote Gre- Gremlins. My, 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 um, my, fav- my, 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 my controversial. My favourite Christmas movie is Gremlins. Uh, um, Chris Columbus wrote Gremlins. Uh, he directed Home Alone. Uh, but uh, I think that I think that you go if you're going to make a fucking huge, big budget action movie about a guy that's trying to, uh, and, uh, you know, it's like, uh, if you're going to make John Wick, right, mm-hmm. about, a, you know, they killed his dog and now he wants revenge. You know, it's just like, okay, cool. Then, then John Wick is basically, it's an action film that's based on a ridiculous premise. And I think if that's what you're going to do with Jingle All The Way, that's great. But don't make a family drama <laughs> sitcom type thing where it's all about consumerism it's really it's an ugly film really just not <laughs> well do you know what I, 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 um, I thought in that way I, I think I enjoyed it more than I thought I would the value... and there's lots of good like oh, I hate it I really liked um... the values in that film are so alien to to I think what the majority of people no feel. I know I know I know what you th- I know what you mean I, but I almost didn't find that so much I sort of think that it is that I think they kind of do do that well because it's sort of that's the values of it but it's sort of you know the point of it is that it kind of doesn't matter in the end 
Because what, what little Jake Lloyd wants from A Phantom Menace is he just wants his dad around, really, doesn't he? Yeah, but it's bullshit. <laughs> the whole film is absolutely strung together pieces of shit, and uh, <laughs> I hate it. It's Phil Hartman's last film as well. Yeah, he's great in it. Yeah, but Phil Hartman was great in everything. You know, Every time you saw him in a film, you'd go, oh, he's great in that. Take Famous. Three Amigos clothes. <laughs> he was in Three Amigos. That's from Three Amigos. Take Three Amigos clothes. Um, and what else was he in? He was in Sergeant Bilko, also with Steve Martin. Um, uh, what else was he in? He was in Coneheads. I Who mean, else? he made a lot of bad films. <laughs> but, but if you're always but good in them... he's always the best thing in them. Then you, the you do, he does stick out. I really liked him as this sort of sleazy neighbour in it. I thought he was great. He's great in and, that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just he's sort of doing these sort of quite sort of weird sort of double entendres in the kids' film. Feel a bit like, yeah, all right. Oh, okay. these cookies. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's, he's really, um, he is really good, but the film is shit. Yeah, but I enjoy, I enjoy, I enjoyed it. No. I, I mean, no. I, um, I thought no. it was really odd. I thought it was really no. odd. And, no. uh, well, do you know what I mean? I mean, you're, you're right in a way because it's not a great film. But I think I was expecting it to be much worse than it was. I was like, oh. It was exactly as bad as I... Okay. No, I wasn't expecting it to be bad. When it was what it was, I just was just like, oh. Because there was a good film to be had out of this. <laughs> and you haven't made it. You haven't even written it. It's got a post-credit sequence, like a Marvel movie. <laughs> We're setting up, what, The Further Adventures of Turbo Man? Yeah, we're sort of setting something up that I guess um, you were never going to see realised. Um <laughs> <laughs> what was it? What was it? The one at the end is uh, his wife says, uh, "Oh, you've gone to so much effort to get Jake Lloyd his Turbo Man. Uh, it just makes me wonder, what have you got me for Christmas?" Cut to uh, Arnold pulling a face to camera. Oh boy! And then he leaps no, it just, to yeah. the 1950s <laughs> where he plays a black woman. Um, quantum leap. Um, <laughs> I like the way it's explained. <laughs> I think when people just no. be like, that's right, well, as we've, as we've established earlier, our listeners have no knowledge of films or television. Uh, that we just, need to, it's worth pointing things out. It's yeah, just it is like worth it. to our voices. Um, uh, so the mountain between us. Idris oh, yeah. Elba and Kate Winslet. Never even heard of it. The Mountain Between... It was a flop, massive flop. That um, came out this year, did it? Or? I think it came out either this year or last year. Uh, it's like a plane crash in the mountain movie. Uh, fucking... I mean, I, I, I don't really get Idris Elba. But um, in general... But... Um, oh, fuck me. The Mountain Between Us is incredible. Idris Elba is brilliant in it. Uh, Kate Winslet is great. I really, I, I've got a lot of time for Kate Winslet anyway. But um, yeah, what a movie! It's it's brilliant, and it's got like all of these emotional punches to it. It's just really great. Just okay. I've never heard of it. Mountain Between Us. I highly recommend it. And then I started watching Atomic Blonde. Uh, oh yeah. Which I had to switch off because I thought it was so fucking annoying. Uh, and I was just like, do you know what? Do you know what's better than Atomic Blonde? Long Kiss Goodnight. So I started watching Long Kiss Goodnight. Um, but uh, that's not as good as I remember it. But <laughs> that was like, Isn't Long Kiss, uh, is it Long Kiss Goodnight, which has a thing at the end, which is got a weird premonition of like nine eleven and all kind of. It's quite. It's it's got some quite odd sort of. What's the word? Not premonition. Like it does feel like. Oh, you have sort of set up the whole of the sort of two thousands kind of 
terrorism kind of thing. Um, no, isn't that Swordfish? No, it's not Swordfish. Swordfish is another horrible, awful film. And not, not another one. A Long Kiss Goodnight I really like. But I taped it off of... Tapes? Tapes? Oh, you're still using tapes, are you? <laughs> um, so I taped it off of uh, Sony... Um, Classic movies. Sony it? Channel. There's like some sort of Sony Channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they do it in a way where... You know, like we were talking about ITV and then the news comes on. Oh, yeah. They, uh, so I taped Long Kiss Goodnight and it only recorded the first hour and then you've got to record the second hour separately oh and then you can't go back and get it so I got the first hour and like the last 20 minutes of the first hour like, oh. <laughs> so I only watched the first hour um, the great bit about Long Kiss Goodnight is there was a thing where when it was originally made they uh, the Samuel L. Jackson character was killed but yes. they decided that they did some preview screenings and went everyone wants that everyone wants that character to live at the end so we can't kill him off and so they've reshot it so that Samuel L. Jackson survives at the end but the bit in where you think he's definitely dead and he actually comes back, I think Samuel L. Jackson actually says, I'm alive, motherfuckers. <laughs> he comes out and he just but like says the thing, which is just like, but he actually makes you go, yeah, because you want him to live. And he comes back and just comes out and goes, I'm alive, motherfuckers. And you go, that is what you want him to say. But it's almost like two on the nose to be like, no, it great. is just like he has said exactly the thing that you want. No, it's really great. They've changed it. And it's almost like they've got Shane Black there and they've gone, we'll need to rewrite this. So Samuel Jackson comes back. But how's he? what's he going to say? And he goes, oh, he, he was dead. So we'll just have him come out and just shout out. I'm alive, motherfuckers. And you go, perfect, <laughs> perfect, yeah. It was, it's really fun. When I saw it, I think I watched it last Christmas, in fact, and it was, um, and that was a bit that really tickled me. I've not, um, yeah, I've, I've not seen the whole thing for many years. Just the first hour. Oh, I really loved it last year. I had a real, um, uh, I think it's, yeah, I think it's a good film. Um, anyway, so I did all that. Uh, and some others. Oh, The Sinner, season one, because I've been so ill, so mm-hmm. I've just been watching... Oh, of course, you've been stuck indoors. So I watched The Sinner Season 1 on Saturday, and then The Sinner Season 2... I don't know what The Sinner is. ...on Sunday. The Sinner is Bill Pullman in... Uh, this isn't really what I wanted to talk about. I had a really interesting thing to talk about. Well, I was going to say, we've got these things up, you know, this... Uh... Yeah. But The Sinner is Bill Pullman doing um, a TV detective series. OK. And uh, Bill Pullman is always kind of like, yeah, 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 Bill Pullman... Um, he's the boyfriend in Sleeps in Seattle. He's the fiance in Sleeps in Seattle, and he's in While You Were Sleeping, and he's the president in Independence Day. And uh, but he's kind of like not bland, but he's kind of like he's too nice. Mm. You know. I think I saw him once <clears throat> described as Bill Pullman looks like if Jeff Daniels and Robin Williams had a baby. Yeah, and sure. You go, yeah, that's okay, right. Right. Yeah. He's in, um, but better looking, I think, than what you imagine. And uh, Spaceballs. Um, yes, of course he's Space Force. And he was in, uh, what's the, he did a Ben Stiller one, detective film, something zero, less than zero. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no. It wasn't called less than zero, it was called... Isn't it? Um, oh, um, I know exactly what you mean. Zero effect. Zero effect. Um, so, yeah, so he's done like, a bunch of stuff, but he's always like, seems so nice. In Jeff, uh, fucking, going to call him Jeff Daniels, Bill Pullman in The Sinner is absolutely incredible to the point that I kept saying out loud how amazing he was. <laughs> like, just, he's incredible in it. Like, I, I think one of the best, one of the, some of the best acting I've seen in any, uh, especially the first season, um, uh, but some of the best acting I've seen from a main, uh, from, a, from an actor in any TV series. I just thought he was so good in it. 
like everything is I think I've always liked him more than you have I think I've always had a lot of time for him I've liked him but but he's like one of them people that's kind of not bland but he's almost like wallpaper I suppose I guess it's like I guess he's someone I reckon Bill Pullman is one of those people who's like maybe number eight or nine on your wants list for leading man and they've gone through all the other people and they've gone I think that's true okay (laughs) but like he does get to be that he does get to be in films yeah sure but he's kind of like um, hey who do we want as uh, as Meg Ryan's nice boyfriend, yeah. Oh well, we'll get Bill Pullman. That's solid. We've, got, we've yeah. already got Tom Hanks as yeah. the nicest man on the planet. So Bill Pullman is kind of like he's like, um, well, maybe he's like a he's like a second tier romantic lead, maybe. Mm. But yeah, but I but that's doing him a disservice. I've always liked him. I just think that he's not kind of like my go-to. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, he's so good in this film that it's made me reevaluate everything I've ever seen before. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so um, anyway, so <clears throat> this week, on top of all of that, I watched Working Girl, Presumed Innocent, and Frantic, three Harrison Ford movies that aren't Indiana Jones mm-hmm. or Star Wars. And then I also watched Internal Affairs, yeah, which is Richard Gere, yes. Jagged Edge, yes. which is Jeff Bridges, and Black Rain, which is Michael Douglas. Yeah. Andy Garcia is in Black Rain and um, uh, Internal Affairs. Um, uh, Glenn Close is in Jagged Edge, and she's also in Fatal Attraction. She certainly is. Uh, with Michael Douglas, who's in Black Rain. Yeah. Uh, basically, what I got to thinking was... They're all we the talk- same film. We were talking... <laughs> we were talk- they're not the same film. They're the same... The variations of the same actor, so you've got the four, you've got the four main eighties uh, yes. uh, leads. They're not action stars. They make kind of thrillers and um, uh, sometimes sort of like quite sexually uh, explicit um, erotic thrillers and uh, and crime thrillers and um, cop detective thrillers and stuff like that. But they're all kind of like another thing. So you've got like uh, you've got Kevin Costner. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got Richard Gere, mm-hmm. you've got Harrison Ford, yeah. and you've got Michael Douglas, yeah. and they're all in the same wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Then, underneath that, you have Mel Gibson, yes, who is almost a genre all to himself. He's got two franchises. He's got Mad Max and Lethal Weapon, and he is also making sort of like similar films with the same people. Mm-hmm. So uh, Scorney Weaver's in Working Girl. Scorney Weaver is also mm-hmm. in uh, The Year of Living Dangerous. You'd probably also have someone like Tom Berenger no. at the time. no. Right. Tom Berenger is muddy in this. Tom Berenger is not in that. <laughs> he's not, not in that. He's not in that. So, you, so Mel Gibson is as big as Kevin Costner. Oh yeah, Gere. he's not the big. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. this is what we're talking about here. So, Kevin Costner, Mel Gibson is as big as Kevin Costner, Richard Gere, Harrison Ford, and Michael Douglas. Yeah. But he is not. Uh, he's not up for the same parts. Whereas, I would say Kevin Costner is interchangeable a lot of the time with Harrison Ford. And Harrison Ford in Presumed Innocent, you could quite easily see Michael Douglas playing a Presumed right. Innocent part, although that's a very similar film to Fatal Attraction. Then you've got Richard Gere, who's just an arsehole in everything that he does. But you could put <laughs> Richard Gere in Black Rain and, and you could recast it. And then I was thinking, and then, and then the tier below that, but you, so you've got Kevin Costner, Richard Gere, Harrison Ford, Michael Douglas, then you've got Mel Gibson, and then underneath that you've got Kurt Russell and Jeff Bridges, who are sort of, mm-hmm. not necessarily interchangeable, but they're of the same kind of thing where um, you could put, uh, well, Jeff Bridges was in Starman, which is a John Carpenter film. Yes. Which is also... You know, and it does, it sometimes has that thing where you do think of it like, 
Oh, wait, no, it's Bridges, isn't it? That's not... You can almost imagine it as the other actors. You could put Richard Gere in Backdraft, and uh, it's the same sort of uh, spiky character that Kurt yeah. Russell played. Um, then I was thinking Pretty Woman is one of my all-time favourite films, right? Mm-hmm. Richard Gere, I don't love Richard Gere the same way I love Harrison Ford. What you, what you notice about something like Frantic, which was uh, a French-based uh, Roman Polanski film mm-hmm. set, uh, made in 88, I think? Uh, or was it 90? Yeah. I would be about... Frantic was 88. Um, and Working Girl was 88. And he's so good at light comedy and Working Girl. And then there's a little bit of light comedy and Frantic. And the later Harrison Ford films were like Firewall, where there isn't really any light comedy in that. It's just like, we'll get him to be like, she was my wife! You know, <laughs> uh, when he does his Rick, Richard Nixon yeah, yeah. impression. <laughs> but, um, she was my wife! I am not a crook. <laughs> um, so he's doing like so. Um, so you've got all of the so witness. You could recast. I mean, I want to get into this, so maybe we'll talk about this on Wednesday. Okay. But, um, but you could recast witness um, with uh, who could you put? Kevin Costner mm-hmm. could do witness, and then you've got Mosquito Coast and. Hmm. Harrison Ford, I mean, it's an odd one for Harrison Ford anyway, but I don't know if anyone else could do that. Frantic, definitely Michael Douglas, Richard Gere, maybe not Kevin Costner. Mm-hmm. Kevin Costner's like all American. Yeah. Like, but Kevin Costner's like the American flag, and Harrison Ford is like the all American guy. Yeah. Right? And those thrillers, 80s and 90s thrillers, are quite similar to what we were talking about the other week with like the. Yeah, the 90s uh, thrillers. The, the, the kind of John, John Grisham, Grisham ones. But, but these Gere, are like a different. But they are sort of very similar films. But in a slightly earlier, yeah. But they're all very kind of. But, yeah. but, but then Richard Gere is like uh, the American dream gone wrong, mm-hmm. and Michael Douglas is like an upside down American flag. But you yes. know what I mean? They're all sort of like of a thing. They're all sort of like American leading actors, but they all do a, a slightly different thing from each other. But they are sort of. So you could put. Now, as much as I love Pretty Woman, and I think it's perfect, I've never, and I think Richard Gere is great in it, but imagine Pretty Woman with Harrison Ford in it. Mm, you really can, though. And you go, well, I would like to see that film. Mm. Or even, I mean, how do you make it even better? I think maybe it would, maybe it would be better. Yeah. Imagine, um, imagine Pretty Woman with Michael Douglas in it. And uh, you don't want to to imagine that film. (laughs) It's Michael Douglas uh, crying over a dead prostitute that he's just hacked up and he's hiding it from his wife. (laughs) It's kind of like... Yeah, it is. It's it's queasier. um, And then Kevin Costner is kind of like, you you can't really imagine Kevin Costner doing that. Mm. I think Richard Gere's in it. He's also, he's a prettier actor, isn't he, I guess, than the others. Yeah, but he goes out of his way to play against type. Mm. I mean, I think Richard Gere is really interesting. Anyway, they've got loads of the same supporting cast, so I think yes. we'll go away, do some homework, and on Wednesday we'll talk about it again. Yes. Um, all right, going to play a song, and then we're going to get a guest on. Uh, this is uh, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance yes. from the film that we were talking about earlier with uh, John Wayne, uh, James Stewart, and uh, Lee Marvin. And uh, it turns out that the guy who did the fucking theme tune to the many shots was Gene fucking Pitney. Yeah, and I've made that my choice. It'll be my music choice this week. It's, it's his one. choice. It's, it's not been thrust on him. It's not been thrust on him. Uh, here we go. Grievous though them all. Uh, 
And we're back. <laughs> Nick and Nat's fan club. It's like then this. we're back. And uh, <laughs> the, the, uh, the Liberty Valance, that was like one of those songs that just tells you the entire plot of the film and everything. Yeah, like uh, like Partners in Crime, Turtle Power. Spoiler! If you listen to that song, that does the entire plot of the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film, including the ending. Including the ending of the film. But it comes on at the end, right? Yeah, it comes on at the end of the film. But if you, if you just listen to the if you just listen to the single, you be. I mean, that's all the film. I bought the single. Me too. I bought, Got I it, bought the soundtrack album and the single. Absolutely. Um, uh, we're joined in the studio now by uh, Bunny Galore. Uh, Hi guys. Welcome. Have I, have, I, have I put your volume up? Two. 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 Hello, talk. Hello, boys. Yes, I've yes. done it. Oh, done you it. hear me? Uh, you are a TV <laughs> presenter? Yes, I, I specialise in uh, horror movies, bad horror movies. Um, there's a huge tradition in America called horror hosting. Mm-hmm. We never had it here. Uh, it, I, I think there's one guy that did it on BBC Two called Dr. Horrible, I want to say. Oh, Dr. Terror. Dr. Terror, thank you, thank you. Which is... Um, on BBC Two? Yeah. Yes. When was this? There's, uh, I would say 90s, about 92. It's Guy Henry from Holby City Now, and he played Governor Tarkin in the new uh, Star Wars, and uh, Rogue One. Yes, yes. yeah. Uh, new. It's not that new anymore. And he was in full old. devil makeup, a bit like, you know, red, kind of red dwarfy. Can you look that up? Doctor I think it's Doctor it? Terror. Doctor Terror. I want to say Doctor Terror's house. There's a there's another sh- similar show that, that was a comedy show. That's Doctor Terrible's one. House of Horror. Yeah, so don't get confused with that. But I think it's Doctor Terror. Doctor Terror. That's right. Doctor Terror did like a BBC Two. Yes, double it, it, bill of yes, horror, double bills of like hammers and things like that. Yeah. But all I don't of that, remember that at all. No, it's really. It's, I'd forgotten about it. It was only when I was researching it when I first started doing. It. But in America. Every city has their own horror host. Going back to the 50s with Vampire originally, mm-hmm. and then very famously with Elvira from about 1981 onwards. And obviously, you had a movie, The Blu ray's about to come out in the, in the UK, not in America, weirdly, just in the UK. <laughs> um, and she, I think that's a pivotal moment because that's when people discovered it, and that's when you got shows like. Yeah, yeah. And there's quite a lot of like cyber babes on various channels and latex going. Now our next film is this, so I think I'm a little bit more. I, I know I can still be quite sexy, but I am. Um, I'm a little bit more uh, of an expert in the field, I guess. Yeah, sure. Because yeah, yeah. um, so one of my favourite films uh, was Fright Night. Um, oh yeah, yes, from, yes. Because so Peter Vincent, yes, who's, who's the host, and what's the other? Well, um, you've got it in Gremlins Two. Gremlins, Gremlins Two, that's right. With the, is it what's, the what's vampire from the monsters? It's, well? it's someone who's based on that, isn't it? Is it's, it's, um, who is it playing it? It's the fucking guy out of Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Who's yes, yes, the, it is. You're yes, right, it, it is. is. It's um, Robert Prosky, is it? Fine. Robert, what? Fine. Okay. I'm, I'm oh. saying that I'm, I'm going to allow you to have that because <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Look, we can't both use the mouse at the same time. <laughs> now, boys, don't fight over me. Um, <laughs> I'm going to just type in Miracle. Miracle. I know exactly who you mean. I yeah. love that remake of Miracle. I saw it in cinema twice, I think. Yeah, I absolutely adore it. I had don't know that I've ever seen it. Character. Miracle on 34th Street. I've yeah. seen the original. Oh, right. So, I'll tell you this. I was working in, uh, this is one of my favourite Christmas stories. I was working mm-hmm. in, uh, where was I? It was at the um, the, the real, the cam- camera, the campaign for real ale uh, <laughs> place in uh, in St Albans, right? And, oh. and so they send out all of these real uh, beer guides and real best pub guides or whatever they are. And I was working there at Christmas and the people in the office um, were hard work and uh, I was temping and what I'd do what I'd have to do is I'd have to there were all these books of the real uh, the, the, what is it the good beer guide 
Is yeah, that what it's called? I don't know, but I know like that. The I real understand. Ale guide. The real, yeah, no. the best real. Uh, anyway, there were all these books that were being sent out mm. for Christmas, and they were kind of like the size of a brick, and you'd put them in a cardboard box thing, uh, envelope thing, like you'd get from Amazon, right? Right. Um, and I put them down, and slowly but surely, I would build a wall around me. <laughs> and so by the end of the day, that was my one job. And so by the end, I had to package them up so that they were, they were available for Christmas. And then by the end of the day, there'd be a wall around me. And then the postman would come in at the end of the day, take the wall away. And then the next day, I'd start building the wall. And there was one guy uh, who worked there. And uh, they were all really nice people. But there was one guy that worked there and said, um, I was uh, putting, the old, uh, putting the old Christmas tree up the other day. And uh, put the old uh, Christmas tree up the other day, and uh, um, in the background, uh, I was playing. Uh, we, we had uh, on the telly uh, Miracle on 34th Street. And the woman in the office said, Miracle on 34th Street? What's that about? And he goes, uh, Well, um, well, you've never seen Miracle on 34th Street. What's that about? Well, well I'll tell you. So, uh, so uh, it starts off with uh, the, there's, a, there's a parade, right? And there's a parade, and uh, there's, uh, there's, a, there's a Santa Claus, and he's on the parade, and uh, and uh, he's been drinking, and uh, the, the owner of the uh, the owner of the the, the, the shop that uh, that owns the Santa Claus, he, he walks by, he goes, uh, "Hello, Santa, are you ready to do the parade?" And he goes, uh, "Oh, well, yeah, I'm ready." He goes, "Hang on a minute, have you been drinking?" He goes, yeah, it says that he's been drinking. Um, she goes, well, you can't, you can't go on the parade if you've been drinking. He goes, uh, well, what do you mean I can't go on the parade if I've been drinking? And he goes, yeah, well, you can't go on the parade if I've been drinking. And over here, there's this old man, he's called Chris Kringle. And he over here, and he says, <laughs> uh, I can't help but hear uh, that, um, that um, uh, I've got a Santa suit. I could, uh, I, could, I could fill in for Santa. And he goes, so you've got, have you got, uh, we've got a suit for you. He goes, no, no, I've got my own, don't worry. And so he goes away, doesn't he? And he, he gets his own Santa suit. And he comes out and he's got all the, he's got all the it's, it? it's got all the it's got all the trimmings to it. It's, it's, it's red, and it's got um, it's got gold buttons, and it's got all the, it's got dancer on the button and prancer and comet, and, <laughs> and, and he puts it all on, and he gets on the pr- and he literally he does that. He partners in crimes. He does that for he partners in crimes. He does it for two hours where he's just literally <laughs> doing a blow by blow account. It's just, wow. What's it about? <laughs> What's it about, mate? It's about a fucking uh, apartment store Santa that's got proof that he's Santa. It's not like it's not about. It's not about the plot. That's not what it's about. The original Miracle on 34th Street. Imagine being in that office. Imagine being in that office knowing what I know. Right? Knowing. I've seen that film. I've seen it like 15 times, right? It's on every fucking Christmas. Somebody not. A, somebody in that fucking office having never seen it before and going like not even to the point that I can't even imagine what that could be. Miracle on 34th Street? What's that about? And then the other person going blow by blow through everything, (laughs) actually adding more detail than was actually in the actual fucking film from fucking two hours. Ah! I have to say, no. Wait, someone has to say something. No, the fact you were building a fort on a daily basis to keep the um, the energy of the people around you away. Yes, yeah, so it's metaphorical, isn't it? Yeah, it's metaphorical. Kind of. It was metaphorical. <laughs> um, the original Miracle on 34th Street came out in June in the States. Did it? And no one knew what it was about. So it, was, it came out and it was this, it was a secret that had anything what? to do with Christmas. And if you watch the trailer for Miracle on 34th Street, it's about how you market a film without being able to tell people what it's about. But it was so popular that it ran for six months and was still playing at Christmas. 
That's crazy. It was. It wasn't meant to be a Christmas movie. It was just like the idea was it was all a secret. I want to they, think they it's marketed this film. late 40s, but I can't... I think it's... 50. Yeah, I, I think it's probably... Is yeah. it Natalie Wood? Natalie Wood's a little girl, yeah. yeah. So, yes, it would be then. Yeah. Mm. Um, Naked Gun came out at Christmas. Did it? Mm. I didn't know that. I found that out the other day. I bet you did. I bet you did. <laughs> So, Bunny, we're talking about horror, horror hosts. <laughs> By the way, it was it was Robert Prosky. It Robert Prosky is Miracle on 34th Street oh, remake okay. and uh, Gremlins 2. Yeah. But, but you, he plays like the Grandpa Munster. Yeah, he, so essentially yeah, he's he, playing he Grandpa I think, Munster. I, thought, I think people kept on telling me that it was Grandpa Munster. He, I think and, I always thought it was. And I think, yeah, so did I. And I think also... I didn't. Grandpa Munster actually does did a horror host show. I really? But it was like they, they sometimes would do them as morning shows, so it's kind of like... They would be monster movies, type, not like horror horror. They'd be like you know Godzilla type of movies. So I think he had done it. So I think that's what the, that's where it came from. But I guess the difference with you and all the kind of previous horror hosts is you're also a fan, right? You enjoy these movies. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, I love Ooh. the bad movies, and um, uh, I, I've always kind of, I've always loved. Thank you, darling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've always, I've always loved uh, uh, cheesy movies, and I wish I could get to see uh, show good movies but oh no I've got the brain that wouldn't die and teenagers from outer space and but you showed Night of the Living Dead at Halloween yes that's the only one <laughs> but is it the original it's the original yes because I was reading about uh, so Tom Savini because um, there was a fuck up when they were delivering it it was called Night of it was called Night, Night, Night of the uh, Living Demons Night of the Living oh, Creeps gosh, or something yeah, Night, of the, Night of the Ghouls or Night of the like, Ghouls something like that and they changed the title on the way to the princess mm. and they didn't uh, copyright the title which is why, because all the films I do are out in public domain, and ah. Nice of the Dead slips through the. But I think it's become more infamous, you know, more than it would be if it was in copyright. Yeah, I mean, it's been remade. But all of those films are really fucked up. Where there was like a uh, Day of the Dead remake that had Ving Rhames in it, which was nothing yes. to do with the Dawn of the Dead remake, which also had Ving Rhames in it. <laughs> but it was, I like that. Day of the Dead one, the one in the shopping mall. Yeah, I, I, the first ten minutes. Well, the Zack I think Snyder. It, yeah, it was the first time just after twenty eight days later when zombies could be fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they released that first twelve minutes, which is kind of like the the two the female lead getting to the shopping mall. Yes, yeah. Online, and that was heart pounding. I think the it's rest brilliant. of the movie, I, I'm not sure how good or bad it is nowadays. I just remember that first section. I think it's brilliant. I think that I think yeah. I think in terms of remakes, I mean, um, I don't think that I know. I don't think the original Dawn of the Dead is untouchable. Mm. Um, and I thought that mm. the remake was f a bit more fun. Yeah. And I really think that opening, you know, like yeah, you say, great. 10, 12 minutes yeah, is just it's incredible. Heart pounding. I, and it's quite hard. There's not many that remakes that I like. I think that, um, I was going to say, the Amateurville Horror. I think it's quite a good remake. The original isn't that good. I think, I think it's why. I think it's usually when I don't remember the original films that well. Yes, yeah. And I'm more forgiving. It's, uh, who's in the original? It's uh, James Brolin. Is yes. the original. Mm. And uh, I really love James Brolin. But um, the original is kind of like uh, the Amityville Horror. Hmm. I find Amityville Horror as a title kind of a bit sort of like muddled because of Amityville in Jaws. Uh, oh, yeah. Because that's mm. where it's set. Amity yes. Island. Amity Island, yeah, that's right. So Amityville is kind of like, right. And then um, but there was Amityville Horror, there was loads of sequels. And then I also think that um, it's almost like its reputation precedes it. So you feel like you've seen it before you've seen it. And then when you actually watch the original Amityville, it's kind of like, yeah, yeah it's all right. Yeah. And then the remake with Ryan Reynolds is kind of like, yeah, 
It's kind of like slicker. Well, I like it now. I don't know, but at the time, I really, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. But I think it's because I, it's when I don't know the originals very well, and then I'm kind of a li- lot more forgiving. I'm, I'm going, not. This I'm is not great. By, um, <laughs> like we, when people do remakes of anything, I always think it doesn't matter. You can still watch the original. It doesn't. It's fine uh, if someone wants to do a, a remake of anything. I find sequels, bad sequels, worse than remakes. Than remakes. Yeah, I think I do. Yeah, when it's got all the proper, Ooh. when they've done it wrong. But I, I can watch it. I've got no problem watching. I it. don't. There's some remakes. I'm like. Please don't do that. But on the only good thing about it is that it means you get a 4K Blu-ray um, of the original DVD original coming out, which is always, <laughs> you know, so you can always do Sure, that. but they remade sort of like The Magnificent Seven uh, a couple of years ago, and that kind of came and went with yeah. nothing. I forgot yeah. about that. And it doesn't even affect, it, yeah, it it doesn't doesn't affect it. the original Magnificent Seven. No, I think that's because that's probably, I mean, it is a genre because it's a Western, but it's a non-genre. It's quite a general movie, isn't it? So I think mm. that's why they, that will get forgotten about more than... Uh, I heard you talking about uh, Star Trek earlier, and I don't know how offended I was by the, the Star the, the Star Trek reboot because I think recasting the original cast is fundamentally flawed. Because what happens when you want to recast it again? Yeah. So you get like a third Spock. It's like what, yeah, what but also they're not um, they're not that much different in age to where they were when they started. It's like um, they recast when they recast uh, Han Solo, and you go, yeah, but how old is he? Because how old is Han Solo in A New Hope? Yeah, yeah. He's like 34. 30, yeah. yeah. And then how old is he in this? He's 25? Yeah. He's yeah. still not seen so it's not like, is it any good? It's fine. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, it's as good as Stargate. <laughs> Do you know That's what I mean? a very backhanded compliment. It's like, but it's it's like it's like. Uh, Although it, I did like if it wasn't, I liked it when it, it came out. I, 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 yeah. I forgot about. I thought we were yeah. talking about the TV show. But it's the a fun movie. adventure film mm. where you just like go. It's a, it's a science yeah. fiction adventure film. We go. This is fine, but then it's not like Empire Strikes Back. Well, you know? plot twist. I, I think all Star Wars is fun adventure. It isn't. It, you don't really go to it for depth. You go for it, and most of it is saved by the performances of the original cast from the seventies onwards. That's where I think the the, uh, the 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 one, two, and three come unstuck because it's miscast. Right, It'd yeah. be fine if it had a better cast, mm. not better. That's I don't mean rude about the actors, but like more suited cast. Or it's got a good cast though, hasn't it? I think that there's something wrong with the way. I mean, but, he just did, he did a terrible job directing him. Yes. But I guess there is something where there is something where you've cast Harrison Ford, and there is something that he is it's such a kind of personality that he's like that you go, oh, he's brilliant. So he's obviously you've you've cast someone who is a star, even mm. though they're not a star yet. He's cast movie stars, yeah. And then I think the problem with uh, the original is he cast Natalie Portman, Ewan McGregor. And uh, well, I don't. Liam Neeson's the closest you get to a movie star. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of like you go, like the, like Emperor Palpatine. What's his name? Uh, McDiamond. Oh, Ian McDiarmid. Ian McDiarmid. I mean, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. He guess he's sort of like a character actor. But when you need someone like Natalie Portman, who needs obviously direction and needs mm. to kind of like have motivation and stuff, but the- you can't just like go. Harrison Ford didn't even understand the words that were coming out of his mouth. The people who are really great in the Star Wars prequels are all the kind of English English character actors. So so it's like it's Christopher Lee and Ian McDermott who really who who just have that ability. And I think it comes from that sort of either that sort of mad Shakespearean acting where Mm. you can just go. But he's like going, well, well, all these aliens are doing, and it's like he's saying ridiculous things, but you just yes, mother. (laughs) But you believe it. You totally believe it. I think it's also that it was the gear change of movie making at the time where everything went green screen and I think you can see the boredom on Liam Neeson's face right, for yes, most yeah. of the first one because yeah. he's just like going, I don't know where I am well, and the people weren't used to acting against a green screen 
to that magnitude yet. Oh, yeah, because that's all there is, isn't it? it By the same much was Attack of the Clones, oh, there's nothing on screen. It's when no. they're walking through the library talking to each other, and it's kind of like they must be on kind of like green conveyor yeah, they belts. Yeah, like, they look like how they walk in like Scooby Doo cartoons yeah, like, or something. They've got that sort of their like. Their feet are sort of like sort yeah. gliding backwards across <laughs> yeah. the. And it's kind of like, it's, it's just it's so weird. <laughs> there's no weight to the actors. Why have them? you filmed this on green screen? <laughs> why haven't you just found a big library? Why haven't you just found a floor? Well, that's the problem. <laughs> it's just people not reacting to anything. And yeah. I thought Attack of the Clones and the, the third one wasn't so bad. I was in Ireland last weekend and uh, my friend had never seen a Star Wars for me. We were doing Geek Later that night and he wanted to say, oh, we'll watch Attack of the Clones. And I was literally apologising for it <laughs> on behalf of the entire community of, of I fandom. I think, yeah, when, when they were coming it out. It was like, oh, my God, this is a lot worse than <laughs> yeah, I yeah, ever yeah. remember it being. Yeah, and I, was, I think because it's not as bad as Phantom Menace. And then I was like, oh my god, that's dreadful. Absolutely appalling on every single fail at every level. I, I like, think Phantom Menace is the best of them now. Because it feels like that's still got some solid has, things. Has, yes, it has yes we all know your moments. opinions. <laughs> it, I think the car racing sections, the Tatooine's quite cute. Oh, God. That, the pod racing that's is just... That's about it, though. Even at the time, I was bored shitless by the pod <laughs> racing. You go, fucking hell, George, just make a car racing film and fuck off. <laughs> fucking... What I want to know is, you know how, obviously, we're of maybe of a certain age where we've grown up with the original uh, yes. trilogy? I've never come across a fan who's probably in their twenties now, late mid twenties, I guess, of the of the prequels. Um, Has anybody? I think Tweet, I know there's kids that loved, loved it at the time. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there's there was lots of that. I think lots of kids genuinely liked Jar Jar Binks and things at the time. It's the weird thing about the prequels is, um, and it might be because they're set before the original trilogy is that uh, they've never really affected the original trilogy for me. No, so I ju- the thing about the sequels. Uh, that they're making at the moment is they've kind of like gone you've kind of like gone oh why have you done th- why have you done that with that character why have you killed Han Solo off why is uh, Spoilers. Skywalker Spoilers. doing this <laughs> and it's just what you, you look at it and you go yeah um, Spoil! and uh, you look at it and you go um, I just think because they're sequ- it's kind of weird that you go especially episode 8 and now it's been a year now. I'm, I'm kind of like <laughs> I've had a year. Now, yeah. So did you not enjoy the last one? I I didn't watch any trailers, and I went into it completely kind of like, oh, I'm going to see a Star Wars film, uh-huh. and I didn't even like the opening crawl. It was something weird happened while I was watching it, where I was just like, oh. And then as it went on, and I watched it with a big group of people. There was like maybe twelve of us would see it. And um, at the end of it, I was so ashamed that I hated it that I didn't. Set. Oh, we, all went for, we all went for a coffee afterwards and I didn't say anything mm. and then everyone else gradually started saying um, oh I didn't really like it and then it was just like oh oh, oh. I thought so it was just strange. me being a cunt do you know what I mean like turning up just being like I didn't like it you know and I was just like and I thought it was such a weird reaction for me because obviously you know I love Star Wars and I loved um the Force Awakens and Rogue One, I thought was incredible. Oh, yeah, mm. same here. And then the eighth one, I was just like, "Oh no, there's something terrible about this that I'm really not enjoying." And then, uh, and I thought like, maybe I'm the only one. And then it turned out that there were loads of other people that didn't like. It. <laughs> See, I, 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 I loved it. I didn't, I didn't. No, and let me rephrase you, that. I liked it. I didn't. I couldn't see what everybody was offended by. And you're a fan of Star Wars. In general, in general, I wouldn't say I'm a hardcore fan, but obviously I'm a but fan of the originals and the trilogy. And, and you've got fond memories of the prequels until you rewatch them. No fond memories whatsoever of the prequels. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I think any, I think that's probably it. Maybe it's I, like it can never be as bad so as those prequels. I went, I, so I took my mum to see it, uh, and um, or my mum booked it for Boxing Day, mm. and I'd already seen it two times by that point, and it was just like, oh no, I've got to see it again. Mm. And that was the night. It was the best time I saw it. Was the third time I saw it. Uh, because my mum, I was like watching it with my mum. Yeah. And she loved Carrie Fisher. Yeah. And she, but she didn't, she's not really in Star Wars. She's very casual. She, I mean, she mm. knows who the R2-D2 is, but I mean... No, it's like but, a... Do you know what I mean? She, she doesn't watch any really, really, films. Let's face it, boys. Star Wars is made for the general public. It is not a genre. It's not mm -hmm. made as a hardcore thing. It's, it's actually escapist, big escapist movies that it's yeah. not so on that level I, I just but then i've only seen it once so i've not me seen too. it and so it's, I it's, need, maybe you need to see it again and i i thought when i watched it I, there was bits of it i didn't like but i was like okay mm. but that was all right that was okay and then i saw it but then the more it's i've sat with it i i like it less and it doesn't feel like i mm. want to watch it again i've got no like oh i'd like to see that again i kind of want to see it um just parts of me I go oh I could watch and then I just go it'll just annoy you and so I just mm. I, and I think that that's um, but I think uh, but the thing about my mum is that she really she really enjoyed it and mm. you go yeah but she's such a casual fan that she probably p pushed doesn't know really the difference between Star no. Trek and Star Wars do you mm. know what I mean Joe like and people used to get that confused all the time before Star Wars came back and it was just like <laughs> oh you like Star Trek and you go no I don't <laughs> Star Wars specifically Specifically, post Trek. No, I think that's interesting. Oh, like, yeah, I guess, I guess those Star Wars prequels are exactly like the the current Star Trek movies. Whereas, you know, Ewan McGregor is doing an impression of Alec Guinness. Yeah, that's they? the pro that's the problem I have with them is because the, with the Star new Star Trek because um, the reason that original Star Trek worked is because of the chemistry of those actors. Mm. Nothing else, mm. yeah. really. It's it's the chemistry between those people. Yeah. Well, those main three. You know, Bones, yeah. Spock, and uh, Kirk were like were, were great. And when yeah. you watch the new you ones, the... Bones has got nothing to do. Yeah. Simon Pegg, because he's Simon Pegg, has got loads to do. Mm. And you go, well, Scotty <laughs> never had that much to do. <laughs> it's just kind of like you know, the, the balance of those. That... Simon Pegg's great, obviously, because he, he he knows what he's doing. But it's I watched the Cage as well, the um, the pilot again the other day, and I, you can see when it doesn't work. And that why that guy was replaced because right, the yeah. chemistry ah, okay. doesn't work with the other actor, and nothing offensive to him, but it just didn't work. And that he needed someone quite on the certain level. Of, yeah, of I think he's probably dealt out. with the fact that yes. he got replaced. <laughs> but it's is he still alive? I don't know. Um, but it, it's Shatner that makes it. So therefore, it's like it's like recasting Tom Baker and Elizabeth Sladen as, as Sarah Jane and the Doctor. You Which can't recast those people. But they recast the Doctor. Yeah, they do, but they're not playing Tom Baker. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah, you right, can recast I see what the Doctor as a generic sort of template, but if you, the mistake is if you go back, it's... Um, and yes, if you had someone wanting to do an impression. All, I know this is supposed to be a fun, no, no, a fun thing, and, but the, the bile's coming out. Um, is the <laughs> Avengers, the, uh, the TV show Avengers, when that got made into a movie, oh, yeah, you yeah. can't, you cannot recast 
um, Patrick McNee and Diana Rigg. That is the problem with that movie. Yeah. Because actually, there's lots of things about there's that movie where you go, like, you go, oh, that's yeah, a good the idea. And everything, yeah. and it's, I really like Which it, is but... weird, because when that came out, that seemed to be some part of the thing that was being criticised about. It was just like, oh, Sean Connery's wearing a... It's controlling yeah, the exactly. weather, and he's wearing like, a teddy that's bear. The, that's thing. what's yeah, good about that's it. That's the show. That's yeah, what, yeah, yeah. That's what people say. That's what like, they got right about it. Yeah, yeah exactly. People were going, why does the teddy bears have a meeting? And I was like, oh, my gosh, have you not seen the original? It's not as crazy as people would think, The Avengers, but... It's certainly off the wall. Yeah. And then the nanny and the machine guns and all those yeah. things, all the little bit Talking about things. the uh, Ray Fiennes, Uma Thurman, Sean Connery Avengers, not, oh, yeah, not the... Avengers Assemble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there yeah. Is, there's, there's only one Avengers, and that is John Steed. <laughs> but no, you're right, that is else. the problem, because it is, when, whenever it's come up about, oh, we'll do, we'll do a new version of the Avengers, and it comes up all the time, it is almost impossible to it's recast. Impossible, yeah, it's impossible because you just go, there's no one like Patrick McNee, yeah. because he's such a kind of quintessential. Englishman in a way that doesn't really mm. exist now. It's not quite the same, but when they recurse the prisoner with uh, Jim, Jim Caviezel, Jim Caviezel, <laughs> and you're just like going, Patrick uh, McGowan had such like a knowing kind of arch child uh, yeah, to him. and uh, such an anti-hero. Yeah. Uh, that's a weird phrase, but he, anyone's an anti-hero, he is. It's so strange. Such isn't a it? weird show that when you try and do like a glossy uh, Hollywood American remake of a mm. TV, or maybe you could get away with it now, mm. even now post Westworld. But like yes, b- b- you before. It was kind of, yeah. And also, the, the thing about the prisoner, nothing really happens. He just tries yeah. to escape every episode. It's just, just done very stylishly. Yeah. So it's very hard to remake something that isn't, there isn't actually but much substance But also, that it. wasn't successful in its own lifetime mm. to the point yeah. where they got cancelled halfway through. Yeah. And so Patrick McGowan just went, Remind me, Nick, who was number two in the new Jim Caviezel the prisoner series. It was. Um, <laughs> I believe I could answer that question. <laughs> it was I, uh, I, I, Ian McKellen. It was Ian McKellen. Oh, You're it right. Is, yeah, it yes. was. Yeah, it was. How <laughs> can we forget that? Where do you think I if you did am it? Number two. Because you could have had, if you'd done it like the original series, you could have had a different number two each week, and you yeah. could have had like Stephen Fry one week or yes. someone like that. Oh, that okay. would have been very sort oh. of prisonery, or someone like who else would have been quite like odd kind of. Sort of British character actors Biggins. of the time. You could have Biggins. <laughs> Christopher oh, Biggins could Biggins. do it. <laughs> Didn't he do it originally? Wasn't he? Like... He's in I Claudius. Oh. He's in I Claudius. Oh, that's yeah. fan club. Yeah, it is fan club. Um, so, Bunny, yes. this is an impossible question, right? Yes. If you had to recast an Avengers movie in 2018, what is there you anyone do? you could think who'd be at all appropriate? Well, funny enough, and the the name of the movie and its sequel has gone out of my head already, but the they. They've just done a very similar Avengers-esque movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's the one with uh, Colin Firth and... Oh, yeah, Kingsman. Kingsman. And oh, yeah. weirdly, if you look at it, that's kind of the Avengers, because the whole point of the Avengers yeah. is uh, establishment Britain, bowler hat sort of suited... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and the and youth. Mm. In the 60s, that's Emma Peel, Honor Blackman, Linda Thorson. Uh, sorry, uh, Diana Rigg, Honor Blackman, Linda Thorson, because they're the young, hip things at the time. Yeah. Now, he's playing the... And so, in a weird way, that's... What's his that's name? the Avengers. Yeah. Edg- uh, oh, so Taron Edgerton? He's playing Ed- better, uh, Elton John, isn't he, in the new biopic He movie. is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I can, but I don't think I've ever remembered his name. I just know no. him. I think he's brilliant. I've never actually learnt his name, which is... Uh, really Taron. He's Robin Hood, isn't he? Robin, Robin Hood. Hood. He's Robin Hood. Robin Hood. Yes. Robin Hood. <laughs> So weirdly, that's what I would that that I would I would just call that the Avengers. 
Of yeah. course, now it's a slight problem that the, the comic strip things come along and kind of... Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very different. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, actually, now, yeah, they won't like, be able to do it for uh, that reason. Very much like Robbie Williams calling his album The Heavy Entertainment Show. It's absolutely uh, <laughs> buried, buried the, the better original. <laughs> it uh, was I, better. I will Google that. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, that's interesting. Colin Firth. But, yeah. I will certainly have Colin Firth as John yes, Steele. Oh, I yeah. do like Colin Firth. Or maybe... Uh, who else would it be? No, he would, um, I think he's almost perfect. Yeah, no, or yeah, someone like that. And then you want someone yeah. like Hugh Grant to play or that Hugh guy. Grant, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would go, oh, Hugh Grant as John Steed, I don't mind. But Colin Firth, probably. Colin Firth has the same uh, textured hair. Yes. It does. So it they're does. both dreamy. That's, yeah. um, that's like well, we'll often do a thing here about where we'll talk about how much we like Hugh Grant and always have liked <laughs> Hugh Grant. Which, but it's, it's, a common, uh, it's a common fan club thing that comes up where we go, I've I, always loved Hugh Grant. I think he's brilliant. I love him. I, I think, think he's brilliant in films. I, I think he's for weddings. Because he's an old fashioned movie star, as in like yeah. a Joan Crawford yes. movie star. He's the same, same in every in film. But that's a movie star. Yeah. That's not an actor. An actor is a character actor, someone that yeah. plays something different every time. A movie star. Is a, st- is a quantity that you know. I mean, if yeah. you want Alec Guinness, get Alec Guinness. Mm. Don't get Ewan McGregor doing an Alec Guinness impression. <laughs> and that's no. the thing. It's just kind of like, you go, you go you're Ewan McGregor. Yeah. And he's You're amazing. pretending to be another actor. Yes, mm. yeah. It's weird. And you're nothing like young Alec Guinness. No. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I literally sat through that attack of clones in that hotel room last weekend going, oh, my word, I didn't realise how bad this was. <laughs> and especially when you get to the beginning of, maybe it's Attack of the Clones, maybe it's the beginning of uh, Revenge of the Sith, when you've got uh, Ewan McGregor, and you think, you're more like Kenny Everett. <laughs> <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of weird. But also, there is, that, there is that really funny bit. There's one really funny bit where uh, the spaceship, after the beginning, like, half-hour space battle, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. and the spaceship crash lands, and Ewan McGregor goes, well... Another happy landing, <laughs> and I think that, that that made me laugh. But um, when I watched it recently, but um, I didn't watch it recently. I watched the supercut of the trilogy, uh, the prequel trilogy, and a fan had done a, a two and a half hour cut. Is, I've got one of the New Hope somewhere where it's like a scratch edit, and it's, I can't think what it's called now. It's a quite famous one, and it's it's kind of put in the deleted scenes, and it's got like it's really it's a bit like a grindhouse version. Right, right, right. 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 Um, and you, I do like those edits. And you, me and Nick are familiar with the Edinburgh Festival, but I was reading that you're at the Edinburgh Festival yourself. So I did the Edinburgh it's 10 years. I only do a one-man show. Yeah, I only do a one-man show, one lady show, every 10 years. I'm due another one this year, and I've completely uh, missed the mark. <laughs> I'm still recovering from, from Edinburgh. Edinburgh in 2008. Yeah, absolutely. I'm still emotional, physically uh, scarred by the whole event. From yeah. 2008? <laughs> from 2008. Yeah, that's about right. And I tell people, I've been using that joke for 10 years, and it's true. Yeah, um, it's awful. But a lot of things came out of it, <laughs> not the show I did. But like I met a lot of people, what I, and I can't, it's probably my fault because I I had gone the year before and fell in love with it. Yeah, mm. you know, and got as a, as a lo- spectator, as a, as a spectator, my yeah. friend. Uh, it was on the cusp as well. It was it was this gear changing time in my life and my career when burlesque had come back. So burlesque revived cabaret, yeah. and everything else because everything up to then had been white guys in t shirts doing stand up comedy. Now I like white guys in t shirts doing stand up comedy, but. There was nothing else from yeah. the yeah. early noughties. It yeah. was just that. Uh-huh. And, and that's not my... Even that's all the way to late noughties. Yes, exactly. So Even took, all the way up to, what, within the last two years? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Still, still is. It's still it. Well, it still <laughs> is. And it's great because it works and it's great. Uh, but it is... Um, that revived the underground oh, neo, neo... Neon? Neo? <laughs> um, <laughs> cabaret circuit mm-hmm. from there on. And so my life changed from, from about that period. But it was just on the cusp of changing at that point. 
So I think I'd gone with full, you know, and I knew all the pitfalls. I knew it, what I've been So hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Before you went up to Edinburgh in 2007, mm. where did you start? So Bunny Galore was created at a fancy dress party at drama school in 96. Right. Yeah, the name comes from, uh, Bunny comes from a, B- a BBC documentary about called Painted Babies, which is a pageant, child pageant documentary. It's an hysterical oh, grandmother yeah. on there. I forgot on this fact that I saw the clip the other day. I've been telling a different story for like the last <laughs> 20 years. And Galore comes from Pussy Galore. Golden Eye hadn't come out yet, so Bond was retro. Yeah. And I thought, oh, great. And it kind of played, because I was kind of going to go for that. There's a, there's a Bond, there's an Avengers girl before um, Honor Blackman called Venus Smith, who's a singer in the first or second series. At that point, you know, the VHSs of these had never come out. I'd just seen a few photographs in the book. And I went, well, Venus Smith is quite a cute name. If you want to be that sort of 60s spy, we're talking the 90s. Yes, yeah. Yeah. You know, that sort of era of retro has just kicked in. But I went for Bunny Galore and... Um, and then, of course, Golden Eye came back, and you know, that yeah, yeah. Bond came back. A million bunny times also over. suggests like Playboy bunnies and yeah, all that kind, kind of stuff. That, it's got that yeah. kind of. Um, it sounds a bit like pussy, exactly. <laughs> Which is the character in uh, Goldfinger. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, oh it's, yeah. It's, 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 it's pussy as well. Yeah. Galore, so that's why. I didn't think of that when I said pussy. <laughs> yeah. uh, just, uh, <laughs> just, no, at, just at the front of your brain. Just at the front. <laughs> yeah. <Four> front <laughs> and we haven't even pointed out. That you are fully dressed up. You have not come dressed for radio at all. I you know. Are, I th- well, you know, you've got a little camera there. Camera in the, in like, and she's got, I mean, it's, I do love overhead lighting, obviously, when it, 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 daytime, because <laughs> it is a little bit frightening. So, uh, you know, I hope there's a filter on this, I have to say. Um, so, yes, it's, so from about then, but the, I always say now, in retrospect, the first 10 years, I was doing it like Morse code in between acting work. So it was bits and pieces. It didn't solidify mm. until. Uh, the Wham Bam Club was created, which is a burlesque show I did for 10 years. Uh, where was that? It, many places. Started at the Bassey Barge in 2007. That's where I first started hosting it. Um, and then Lady Alex, who was the producer, took over as the host. And I became, I became like the regular kind of like <laughs> nana, the, the, like the sort of comedy element of the show. And we went from Bassey Barge to what is now the box. It was called the Soho Review Bar. Um, at that point, oh, it, was called, it was called a different name every week. Yeah, yeah. But it was called the Soho. We kept before it came the box. It closed down, and we had to find a new home in two thousand nine. The box is in Soho. It's uh, a famous New York cabaret nightclub that came over here. I think in two thousand eleven. What um, streets on? Uh, Berwick Street, or the beginning. It's in that sort of you know this sort of porn alley. Yes. In between Berwick Street oh, and yeah, Square. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, the porn alley. Yeah. 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 <laughs> there we yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. and ding, 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 we have a winner. Yeah. Um, and, but we had to move somewhere really quickly, and we ended up going to the Café de Prix. So suddenly we became this mainstream West End show for about five, six years. And where were you in Café de Prairie? You were in, uh, like, the main room? The main room, yeah. I yeah. mean, that's a big room It's as a well, big room. I mean, but it is a dinner theatre venue, yeah. so... It took a while to get into the venue because it was almost like playing the Titanic ballroom type yes, of thing. Yeah, you know, it's it's very strange. So you, you know, but you know, if someone had told me there's a movie called I love a biopic, I love Bohemian Rhapsody, but I do love a biopic. I love Scandal, uh, the, the the movie about the perfumist scandal yeah, of the yeah. 60s. That is filmed at the Cafe de Prix. Yes, and if someone had told me in 1988 when that film came out. Uh, where an Elvira Moosters the Dark came out one I'd be you know I'd be a showgirl at the Café de Paris and two I'll be sort of doing the same kind of thing as Elvira does in a very small way compared to her. in 1980 I would never have believed you because so we were there yeah, for a long yeah. time we left there in 2013 it's been in uh, Hippodrome Casino and a few other places since and it, we did a UK tour 
last year and we finished in February. So the show kind of has in it's in hiatus now. So not bad though for about no, 12 years. Lovely. You know, we were doing. Do you like that? I lo- I love when I'm watching an old sort of TV show, sort of set mm. in Britain or something. Oh, I love, I love seeing anything where I just yeah. go. I know that street. Yeah, and just fascinated by all any the carry-on little, films. Yeah, yeah. I'm obsessed with like the locations of the Hammer Horrors, the, the, the um, carry-on yeah. films. You see old London. Yeah, yeah, yeah I um, love it. Carve her name with pride. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the my ex-girlfriend, uh, her house is in the f- opening shot of that. Wow, I love all and that. And the whole thing was on that street that was leading away f- in Stockwell, that was leading away from... Uh, so it's kind of like you go, while I was watching it, you go, uh, that's the house I'm in! Yeah. <laughs> it was really exciting. <laughs> really it just, is it Richard Herring? Does he oh, yeah. do a show here? Weirdly, it came back to me today. Richard started... He was uh, in the Soho Review version... Um, so the where the box is now, and he, it's his fault that Wham Bam became successful because he got heckled by someone on my table when I went to see the show. Well, I wasn't in the show that week, and I went to see the show, and that went viral. I think I might have seen, and this. that's that was yeah. Wham Bam. But it was I was with a, a costume designer friend of mine uh, called Ronnie, who was lovely. But we were with two people I didn't know, and you know, you just go, "Oh, lovely to meet you. How kind, Vayner. Thank you for coming." And then you watch that, and then this guy started heckling Richard on stage, and I've never. Being more mortified of in course, my entire yeah, life because I, I don't know what are you doing. Who yeah. are yeah. you? I think he had some issues. I think he was, you know, needed to be medicated uh, <laughs> in the days before, perhaps you know. That is m- awful, mental health. As a performer, a if you're sort of uh, associated oh. with someone you don't know, oh. and then they're suddenly doing something, you got you want to kind of try and distance yourself. Like I don't know, I don't really know him. <laughs> in, uh, it's mortified, but things have changed a lot. The fact I'm I'm sitting here in full costume and talking about the character is unusual. I also have all these rules that I had to be, uh, you know, once in the costume, it's in the character. But things have changed so much because of Drag Race and stuff like that, where you, you see the real person, you see the character now. It's the lines are completely blurred. It's much more in the culture now as well, isn't it? Yes, it's a it thing really that everyone is. talks about it as just such a, like it seems yeah. like every other person I meet is sort of now kind of attending drag shows. And I know, it's, it's such a big thing in the, yeah, in the culture, it's everyone. It's so mainstream. Yeah. I mean, not so much as here, but it has, it is the revolution. And I'm, I'm all for it. I'm, I'm <laughs> kind of old school, but I'm like, children, bring that revolution now. I have been waiting for you <laughs> since about 2006. Come on, bring those lace fronts, Harry. Up. <laughs> but you're right. It's a generational thing, isn't it? Mm. It does feel like it's a different thing now than it was 10, it, 15 years ago. Two years ago. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Two, three years ago. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. Courtney Act won Big Brother this year. Bianca Del Rio is playing Wembley Arena. Mm-hmm. Adore Delano has how many hit albums? All these incredible. Uh, Trixie Martel is a huge star. Katia, these massive stars that have come out of that show, and I think it's I think it's probably the way we watch TV because of Netflix. Yeah, you know you can you know people are exposed to this, I and mean, uh, the audience is so young for it because they're like they're like the new they're the new rock stars, they're the new heroes. Yeah. And does it feel like there's a generational thing in within it as well? Do the, do, do I think so. I mean, I always think of myself, I don't like to think of myself as old school, but I kind of, I am, in a, because I, I think I'm very much in my own niche. I'm, yeah. a, I'm, a, I'm a kind of like a expert presenter that kind of is a character. Um, or I've become that anyway. Cause, and the horror hosting kind of came around when we started Wham Bam Left of the Café Dupree and I was looking for a new project and I kind of went, you know, I'll go that way. Um, so I think it has become... There are a lot of new kids doing it. There's not really uh, there's not really venues for them to play in, so that's the unfortunate bit. But I think I think it's 
And we we didn't arrange this. This is just by fluke that we uh, I've been in I filmed my Christmas special on Tuesday and I've been in edit for two days. And on the on the Wednesday I woke up to my phone going nuts at nine thirty in the morning because they had announced Drag Race UK finally after four years of oh, right, okay. false starts. Right. I know Jonathan Russell brought the rights and you know and, and as soon as you say anything because people are obsessed with the show. It goes huge. So yeah. there have been so many, so many, so many false starts in the last four years. So I didn't believe it to start with. I was like, going, oh, yeah, the sun's obviously gone crazy. And they've printed something that somebody's whispered in the, uh, by the water cooler. Uh, you go to Twitter and you see World of Wonder, the producers, and RuPaul tweeting about it. And I, But I was an editor. And I just had to be locked in this room for another like, eight hours. And then um, <laughs> and it wasn't until I met a friend on, Wednesday, uh, on that night that I said it out loud to somebody. And I was like, I can't believe this is actually happening. Because people have always asked me, would I do the show? And I'm like, yes. Um, <laughs> you usually ask me, if, oh, would you? No, would you? Be, you know, would be on the show as a judge? I'm not that famous. I'm quite happy to. I'm really grateful to be a contestant, and I don't care if I went out in week first. I would still be grateful. Yeah, because uh, I love the show that much. Just because it's what it's done to the whole genre. It's it, you know what it's like in the UK. Stand-up comedians can be very mainstream. Uh, drag can't be mainstream. Puppetry can't be. Uh, you know, ventriloquist mm-hmm. can't be mainstream, uh, and magic can't be nowadays because it's kind of associated with the, the with old, the, old yeah, school yeah. it's sort of seen magical be seen as yeah. cheesy or something so the now. fact the show's come along in the last 10 years and changed the face and I, I only the only time I get slightly angry is when people belittle the show go like you know that, that's not it you have no idea what it's changed in the last 10 years mm-hmm. and the last few years it's just changed it completely <clears throat> so it's a be very exciting to see what happens I can't wait to see the new show yeah yeah so when did you two do Edinburgh then so I did it this year, but oh, you you're, and you've still in one piece. I'm, well, barely. I mean, I'm still having nightmares. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, but we would have both been there in 2008, I think. Yeah. I was, I, I was 2008 there. was I, I think Houston, Calman Taylor, and Comedy O'Clock. So we all would have wow. been there at the same time. Oh, so it does feel so that we, yeah, we, we've all got this sort of shared thing. We all would have been in the same sphere at the same time it's in that so, same bubble. It's so weird. I'm a friend, Sally. She, I think she left Coronation Street the year before, and she. Um, but she ended up doing I can't remember what the name of the play is right now I'm sure she was there in, she was either there 2007 yeah. or 2008 and it so freaks me out when I find out that obviously you know Edinburgh's very big mm. but it still freaks me out when I know then you meet people down the line 10 years later and you go that what what, what you were there too it's just how is yeah. such I a mean, it's, that it's our Vietnam We've got. We've all. We'll always have it. We'll always There's have it. Two thousand eight. There's always a story. I would never have not done it because, like, the the only thing that came out of that that was particularly amazing was I did a sketch, film sketch that I would show when I was getting changed, and it was a like a a, a bit like Acorn Antiques, a pastiche of Crossroads, mm-hmm. which I was massively into. The DVDs had just come out, and I was loving Crossroads for all the <laughs> right reasons, all the wrong reasons. And but I loved the show so much. I made this soap opera, and then I continued it as a YouTube show. Before YouTube was YouTube, it was like me and the cat videos. So at that carry, and that kind of carried on for a long time. So that kind of brought me into like sort of more the sort of TV world of stuff. It was free from that originally. So that that so it's always a journey, isn't there? But that's it. We, it feels though like it is the Vietnam, where as soon as you <laughs> see Edinburgh two thousand eight, you do want to go. I was there, man. We're all connected. We're already. We're already connected. Before you ever met us, we've already we've all been there. But, yeah. you, but, but you would have done it really well. I did not do no. it very well. It did well. not suit me at all. Actually, yes. Uh, not, not in 2008. No, I, re- I was dreadful. 2008 was, was my really best show, famously. Uh, my best show was 2008. Of course. Um, never, never surpassed 2008. Me. Uh, so in a way, it's sort of like my Vietnam. If I was really, if I, if I came away from Vietnam thinking, yeah, I really nailed that war. 
<laughs> really, really did a good job there. I never did, a, never did anything better. Um, so your, so your, your Christmas special that you've just been filming, uh, the, the film that you're showing at Christmas, <laughs> yes, is called Santa Claus versus the Devil. Uh, who's in that? So, uh, uh, I don't think any of them should be named. Uh, I think they, they think <laughs> they're they're on, uh, they should be. They should be. So it's a, it's a, it's a 1959 Mexican movie, which I think they made to uh, tell the Mexican uh, population about Santa, Santa Claus. Yeah, I've heard of this. Yes. Film. It, so it's uh, it. it <laughs> how to describe it? They, they obviously they know they're very religious, so they know the devil. So they pit Santa Claus against the devil. It's one of those trippiest, scary. I, I was obviously rewatching because now I've um, a bit like uh, I don't know if you've seen the revival of Mystery Science Theater three thousand, but I uh, which I've, I riff through the movie, so I pop up throughout mm-hmm. the film, going saying silly things. So you have to watch the film with much much closer than I used to. Perhaps I, used to, I basically used to just film the links, mm. um, and it's and I've I've hosted this before about five years ago. I do not remember half of it, and it's a thousand times worse than I remember. But in a hilarious <laughs> way, there's like a dance of a two-faced dolls. This like you know this full ballet that goes on, which is like a nightmare version of um, turning around on a music box from Chitty. It's just <laughs> terrifying on so many levels, uh, and hilarious. Right. And is it? But is it? It's watchable, or is it one of those ones where you go, oh, I, "I wish this was ten minutes." <laughs> <laughs> obviously, I make it watchable. Obviously, I've but, got uh, the, um, <laughs> the Adam West uh, Robinson Crusoe in space. Uh, yes, movie, yes, yeah, which is kind of like that. it's fine. But you just go, I get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ten minutes. No, that's that's all I, need. Si- I think that's the biggest sin of any movie, though, is being dull. Yeah, you can exactly. be bad. But they were all, a lot of them were dull, were they? Because it was just like, we've got a poster, we've got a title, and yeah. we've got 10 quid. That <laughs> was my Edinburgh Fringe show, basically. That was a poster and a title, and that was it. And then I kind of like, the rest of it was filled in the blanks. <laughs> Let it go. <laughs> it was 2008. But that is, that is you the worst. You reminded me of it. I, 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 Life's a fucking years. journey. Yeah, you just got to fucking ride it. It's fine. <laughs> Life's a roller coaster. I'm Ronan Keaton. <laughs> um, fucking. Uh, just looking at the list of your favourite films here, Fearless yes. Vampire Killers never yes. gets enough fucking love. No, I know. Uh, right. So obviously, yeah, so I would, I've Roman always, Polanski. Roman Polanski. So Roman Polanski's in it. Yes. Sharon Tate is in it. Yes, mm-hmm. which is very, uh, it makes it extra tragic, doesn't mm. it? Because I don't know whether it's her last, I think it's a penultimate movie. Before she's, she's murdered, she's but, it's great, but it's such a fucking great it's film. It's just the mo- most amazing score, so beautifully shot. A, a title sequence, title sequence is incredible. Animated title sequence yeah, with blood dripping so down all the letters. It's one of those things, like Haunting. I guess, like the the Mario Bava movies as well. It's people that have done a sort of takeoff of Hammer, but mm. sort of done it with way more style than yeah, you do actually, in a Hammer yeah, movie. Actually, <laughs> it's more Euro- it's more European horror, which is yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm a great fan of uh, horror comedy, like Frankie Howard and The House in Nightmare Park. Uh, the, uh, Bob Hope of and, I love that movie so much. Cats <laughs> uh, uh, and Canary with Bob Hope, that type of you know. So you've got high, really quite scary stuff, but with comedy. Abbott and Costello meet. I mean, Frank Frank I love that movie, but obviously I love the Universal. But I do mm-hmm. have a secret love for that movie. Oh, it's great! Um, really well done. There's I used to, so when VHS first started. I used to rent two movies from the video store every week, and one was Young Frankenstein, and one was what the British title is, "Dance of the Vampires," which is yes. much more of yes, a romantic yes. title. 
uh, people don't really know the musical. The musical in, in Germany is called Das der Vampire, so it's that's the Dance of the Vampires. But I prefer that title because it's much more romantic, yeah, yeah. and it has this beautiful ball scene at the end. It's just the, I love it. I think well, it's got it's, the it's got the mirror sequence, isn't it? The mirror sequence. The, he's dancing uh, in the bam- vampire ball, and uh, they're in a mirrored room, and he keeps looking over, and he's the only one that's in the. Yeah, there's the three of them. So it's yeah. they're trying to rescue a girl. So it's an old professor, a young the young aid and uh and this the, the heroine sharon tate. and sharon tate and she's in this beautiful red dress in fact i think they used it in a different film which is dreadful the league of extraordinary gentlemen i think it's in that maybe because oh. what the mirror the, the mirror, mirror, mirror sequence that gag was used in that so they're basically mm. they're all dancing and they think they're going to go with it they turn around and in the mirror the mirror end of the room is down there and they they're still hopping and you know doing like the, the sort of gavotte whatever it is and they realise only those three are visible, and the, vamp- the, the, the two hundred vampires behind them are invisible. And it's just that's one of the best moments. It's got some them. great bits in it. Uh, yeah, I really love that film. Uh, good for you. Uh, and uh, we're, we're running out of time. Um, uh, what's your favourite film of all time ever? Just really quickly. Probably some like it hot. Some like it hot. I mean, yeah, it is perfect a comedy. It is a belt. Brilliant. And uh, <laughs> if you but get, it is. It's one of those yeah. things. It's sort of perfect, isn't it? It's, it's perfect. Sort of going, yeah. yeah. It's, it's great. Too really perfect. great. Yeah, and that's famously got uh, Tony Curtis doing an impression of Cary Grant. Yes. Yes, it does. Which I never so. knew as a child. Yeah, so of course. Who yeah, Cary yeah, Grant yeah. Was I think I saw it before I knew who Cary Grant was. Well, they made a film together, didn't they? Uh, was it Operation Petticoat? Oh, I don't know. I Tony don't know. Curtis yes. and Cary Grant. I think did they do one with Jane Mansfield as well? I can't remember. Um, Jane Mansfield, yes. Cary Grant, and James Man- Jane Mansfield. Kiss Jane them Mansfield, kiss them for me. Kiss them for me. Yeah, right. I think that that is the funniest title. For that. <laughs> it's got the poster is <laughs> Cary Grant leaning over and Jane Mansfield with her huge tits, and the title is Kiss Them For Me. <laughs> I'm not even convinced they meet in the movie either. I think she's the second female leader. Yeah, she's, she's, like way, she's way down the important list, but yeah, uh, it's just such a funny them. poster. Um, <laughs> Right, okay, we've got time for our game. I've got to do a game now, and this game is better or worse. We have to say whether the next person is better or worse than the person before it, based entirely on my own opinion. That's how you win points. So starting off with Richard Widmark. Who's Richard Widmark? He's like in lots of film noirs. Basically, he's cool. But is he better or worse (sighs) than John Wayne? Oh, better. He is better than John Wayne. Yes, he is. Yeah, he is. Controversial. Is Catherine Hepburn better or worse than John Wayne? Better. Better. Yeah, better. Is Clark Gable better or worse than Catherine Hepburn? Ooh, worse. Ooh, worse. I want to say worse. Yeah. Is Humphrey Bogart better or worse than Clark Gable? Personal opinion. Humphrey Bogart. Worse. Humphrey Bogart better than Clark Gable. I would say better. I'm afraid. What's Clark Gable done? Did I get the wrong one? Elizabeth Taylor better or worse than Humphrey Bogart? Elizabeth Taylor's better than anybody. Humphrey Bogart is better than. I think I will say with that cleavage, those eyes, and that jewelry, (laughs) she's she wins. Lauren Bacall (laughs) better or worse than Elizabeth Taylor? Oh, worse, worse. I saw her do a talk the other week, and fuck me. (laughs) I want to say better. I really like Lauren Bacall. Um. Uh, Judy Garland, better or worse than Lauren Bacall? Oh, uh, uh, Judy Garland's better. Be- yeah, I'd say better. 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 Uh, Bing Crosby, better or worse than Judy Garland? Worse. Worse. I don't like Bing. I, I might say better. I do love him, but uh, Judy, I'm sorry, uh, Wizard of Oz. Judy, Judy, Judy. Hey, Fred McMurray, better or worse than Bing Crosby? Fred McMurray, come on, mate. No, come on. I've got to look him up again. Fucking Fred McMurray. hazy for me. Okay, okay, I'm going to say... Worse than Bing, but I do I, like him. He's okay, a hard I cat. Will t- I, will, I will Google. 
it was a good it was a good Fred it was a good Murray. round that the oh, end? Fred that's Fred the end oh. what's his Fred four Mar- was Fred oh. Murray in um, uh, Double Indemnity yeah yeah okay fine it's great great very, he does comedy very well he right. does serious very well was there an outcome to that oh that's it well basically you got four you got four Got four. <laughs> I didn't understand the rules. I know it was entirely based on. It's not based on anything. It, it, it's a game that oh, has okay. no significance. All right, just, <laughs> so you got four. Hey, uh, do, do you know what? <laughs> I think there is a lot of fucking significance. You're only the second guest to have got four. Right. Um, it's not the worst. The worst is Sam Ashurst with three. <laughs> um, but uh, so we're supposed to do the same. The, the point well, is you do the same. You, you have come behind every other guest that we've had. Ah! Um, wow, that, that, that's anything? a title for but a you show. Know what? <laughs> <laughs> Edinburgh 2019. <laughs> Come and see it at the Pleasant. If we put it into context, we've only had two guests that have got ten, two guests that have had nine, and then the, the, the I was surprised you got four. I thought you were doing very well. About okay. I, I don't know what happened. Well, but I it's entirely based on my own opinion, which doesn't mean anything. <laughs> I didn't know who two of them were off the no, top I, of my actually, head. No, actually, I didn't know okay. that. Okay, but check them out. I think that that check was actually... <laughs> what you're doing there is you're scraping the bottom of the barrel there by, by finding... I mean, we've done, it. People that, we've done it for six months now. Yeah, I know, but you've had Roger Moore a few times, and you've had Christopher Lee a few times. Oh, yeah, I've had Christopher Lee a few times, uh, yeah. I just think that, you know... Uh, you should shake him up a bit, but I think putting Fred McMurray in there is a low blow. I love, I love Fred McMurray. Yes. Check him out. Um, Check uh, him sure. out, fan clubbers. Dublin <laughs> uh, Dennessy, uh, cracking oh, movie. Of course it is. Amazing. Of course film. it is. So at the cinema. Of so at the cinema uh, maybe two months ago. But what, what I would say about that is that uh, don't know who Fred McFucking Murray is, right? That's not my fault, now. It's not. It's barely my fault. We're falling out now, Bunny. We're falling uh, out. Right I now. just think out. it was just a real kind of like. You were here for the for the the, the, the split end. episode. <laughs> real, this is where it all falls apart. It was shameful. <laughs> it was shameful, Nat. Yeah. Okay. Um, I was. Okay. Um, I'm. 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 I'm embarrassed for you. <laughs> um, okay. So. Um, so. What channel is your Christmas oh, special? So, yeah, we're, I'm on uh, Showcase TV, which is I think Sky Channel four five five. I think it's oh, like it's changed it a few times, and uh, I think it probably premieres Christmas Eve. It's on over the Christmas week. Okay. After New a Year's. trait. <laughs> yes. So if you want nightmares, children, watch that. <laughs> and is there anything else you'd like to promote? Oh, just me in general. Yes, you can find me on uh, Twitter at, at Bunny Galore, on Instagram at The Real Bunny Galore, and probably at a bar in Soho later on. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Then that's Christmas wrapped up. That's Christmas. Yeah. Did we actually talk about Christmas in any shape yes. or form? No, we didn't, did we? No, don't have to. Uh, that's for that's for other people that have to be seasonal. Uh, but we're not seasonal. We are reasonable. Yeah, well, uh, all year round. <laughs> okay, right. Uh, Going to play a. Have we got another? Is there another show coming in after this today? No. Oh, okay. so we can go right up to the nub. It's, uh, we might as well play a bit of a little Christmassy treat. Okay, so uh, this is your favourite song. Is it your favourite song of all time or your favourite Christmas song? Favourite Christmas song. Basically, this is the first time I'm not doing pantomime for about 25 years and I'm getting Christmas off for the very first time and I'm loving it. So I'm feeling very Christmassy at the moment. And so we have Judy Garland playing us out tonight live in the studio. <laughs> Judy Garland, have yourself a merry little Christmas. It leaves us just time enough to say thank you, Bunny Galore, for joining us oh, in yes. the studio. <laughs> and for all of our listeners, Super oh, five out of five. <laughs> Christmas.
You've been listening to a FUBAR Radio podcast. For more information, go to FUBARradio.com.